That's oral hygiene. What the fuck's going on down there? Hi everyone, it's February 28th, the second to last day of February 2016, because yo, it's a leap year, and I hope you're all feeling good. Uh, we're here at WTF at TFW to talk about some Transformers, and we are going to do a better job than, uh, who was this, uh, Total Beauty on Twitter, uh, who have over 50,000 followers, and on Oscar night tonight, put up a picture of, uh, they put up a picture saying we had no idea that, and they tagged her, that at Oprah was, uh, tatted, hashtag tatted, and we love it, hashtag Oscars. That's a caption they put up with a picture of Whoopi Goldberg. Well, <laughs> y you see. No, there's, uh, there's no, you well, there's a you see, no. but it's not one that you want to say, uh, with any semblance of, of, what, a bunch of dumbasses! It took them over half an hour to delete that tweet as well. It's like they spent 35 minutes going like, well... Let's fact check this. So, uh, I, I wanted to lay out that I think we are going to do a more professional job than Total Beauty's coverage of the Oscars. But I don't want to actually talk about the Oscars either. <laughs> no. Uh, Aaron, hi. Hey. Uh, TJ, hello. Hello. Um, today we are going to say we've had enough of front page news. And we are just going to do some listener questions on what we got and whatever. We are putting our foot down. We 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 covered Toy Fair and it was long. And god damn it, we we want a break. Can can I get a what's the thing that they say at the unions when they say yes? Is it a yay? Is that the Yay or nay is generally the voting method in when you have boards. Can I have a yay? Yay. Alright. Eh. Alright. We got that's two. I'll throw in a third yay. All right, we're unanimous. Um, just in case you are wondering what some of the hot front page news is right now, Combiner Wars Rekgar found in Hungary without the combined to form sticker that was on the packaging of some other earlier Asian retail sightings. What a weird conversation that's been going on with that strange little toy. Uh, also, there's some updates for collectors of Transformers Mr. Potato Head minis. Um, and we were, we were actually just saying, I, I don't think I know anybody who's interested in those. And I know people who are interested in rescue bots. Now, this wave is rescue bots based, so maybe this will attract some folks. But uh, I, so we were talking before the recording, and I realized I should say it here. Um, I was watching Twitter, uh, and a couple of folks who are into rescue bots, I think it was uh, Adam Paulus of Entertainment Earth and Jason Ho Ho Ho, uh, they were talking about the fact that rescue bots being like toddler toys actually become impossible to find once they've shipped because collectors don't touch them. And parents buy them, and then most of those get destroyed. Those so people collecting rescue bots actually have got a somewhat, a somewhat rare to piece together collection at this point if they've been sticking with it. And I thought that was kind of cool. I have two. I'm happy with them. Uh, I forgot. Did either of you guys ever get a rescue bot? Uh, no, not to my memory. Aaron, no. you ever? Ah, okay. They're. Well, you know, they're, they are exactly what they look like, but there's something calming about the Optimus Prime that I, I, got, I got handed many years ago at a, at a MAGFest. Um, but that's, that's about, I mean, we could also talk about the, the $20 million Michigan incentives to Transformers 5, because I'm sure that would probably induce a brain aneurysm in at least one listener. 
instead of instead of trying to damage those who are listening to our podcast, we are going to, in fact, connect with those who are listening with our podcast. We're going to do some listener questions. You guys feeling up for this? Because I'm just gonna I'm gonna rain them down on you. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna also I'm gonna pull random here and there. I got a couple I really want to cover, but I also got a couple small ones that I figure, hey, let's just bash these out of the way. I recently got one from Same Dude saying that he's a huge fan of the show and is wondering if we think we'll ever see a release of the infamous G1 Unicron figure. Um, Aaron, what are you thinking about this? Is there any precedent you think that might, no. might land? No. The big plastic beach ball. Yeah. No. Yeah. Even as a weird, like, very self-aware no. encore release? Ain't gonna happen. Uh, TJ, you feel like you got, you got any kind of counterpoint <laughs> to that? Um, aside from, at this point, they would have to reverse engineer the, what, two that exist in order to create a mold. And yeah. it looks like an engineering, like, a structural nightmare by today's toy standards? No. Yeah. Absolutely by, not. By toy standards of the 80s, that thing was horrible. I feel like if it wasn't a case of literally only two or three existing, uh, perhaps it might happen as, like, you know, a fun thing to celebrate uh, the 30th anniversary of the film that Unicron debuted in. But, yeah, uh, to reverse engineer it, uh, given its size, now that some of us, have, like, more of us have seen it in person as of its its BotCon appearance some years ago, I think it would be, like, just a gigantic money loss for everyone involved uh, mm-hmm. Like you'd have to first tear apart a, a very rare prototype piece mm-hmm. and then try to create tooling out of those pieces, which unless things have changed, that is still like the last we heard. That's actually more expensive than making new tooling. Um, they could make new tooling based on those prototypes, hypothetically, but uh, I I can't see. I can't see a conversation in any boardroom that would lead to that happening. So for now, I don't, I don't think that's going to be something we're ever going to get in our hands. Maybe an unofficial effort will make one. I mean, like, there's an unofficial group now working on a version of the Beast Wars Neo Unicron, which I think is super cool. Like, what a fantastic niche thing to try to render as a produced piece. It, the market for it's going to be tiny, but, like, the nostalgia factor, I think, would be huge. Um, and if, if that thing, you know, doesn't kill that company... I would love to see them do the same for the 80s Unicron. Like, you know, no, it won't be literally the 80s Unicron, but something in the spirit of it. I think it would be fun. I don't know. Um, did either of you guys see the Beast Wars Neo Unicron project? I forgot what their name is. Um, oh, yeah, I yeah. did. What are you thinking about that, TJ? I remember really lusting after that prototype when it first came out, just hoping somehow, some way, it would actually see production. Yeah. So... With what limited info we have on it, I am kind of happy to see that someone is trying to make some passable version of that figure. Because that's just that's one of those like looming little prototypes that you see and everyone knows about, but you know it's never happening. Yeah, I uh, I really like the idea of creating a physical rendition of like the dream of the teenage fans of you know the nineties and two thousands. Like, the thing that we all would have... Like, we didn't even understand if this was attainable or not. Yeah, I, I like the idea of just cr- going back and creating things that didn't have the chance to be made in the first place. Yeah. Like, there's a ton of just weird, random prototypes and figures that never made it. You know, your animated Marauder Megatron all the way back to your Skywarp slash Megatron in G1. No, it's, I think an outlet of the unofficial market that 
Like, I think it would be beautiful. The only sad thing is I wonder if making any of those things would be anywhere near, like, financially viable for anyone trying to operate in that space now. What with the enormous pull that folks who can drop thousands a month have got uh, as far as what gets made. Um, like, there are companies that can take risks. But then, like, I, I worry that, like, a company's first or second outing being such a big risk could be so dangerous. I, I But I so wish that they can pull it off. Um, Aaron, it sounded like, did, did, so did you get a look at that unofficial Neo Unicron? I'm pretty sure I remember seeing it. Yeah, what, what do you think about the idea of, like, an unofficial group, like, making things like that or, you know, Marauder <sighs> Megatron, uh, some of the other, you know, maybe Transtech Starscream, just, like, you know, stuff that references things that we know once existed that will probably never exist in production. I'm not sure. There's a part of me that feels like, hey, this would be a neat wait for it to happen, you know. You know, there's a couple of Transtech toys that made it to resin stage, things like that. It'd be really neat to see. But at the same time, I think that's where it tips too close to the line, Mm. where it's not like... You know, an idea inspired by, but just a straight up copy, and that's where that's where you start getting people eyeballing. Well, is a whole it lot is harder. it a straight up copy though? Because like because they can't handle those prototypes, I I, f- well, I feel like it is really like it has to be inspired by. <clears throat> right, it's it's still inspired by, but it it's something that does the what what is it like eighty percent similar to or whatever the supposed line is. I, I guess I just I don't. I, f- I feel like Masterpiece Alikes crossed that line a long time ago. Yeah. Like, if, if that's going to be a line, like, that's been crossed. Like, yeah. I f- like to, to me, this this is actually, like, a step back from the line, because it's, it's stuff that will never be produced, for the most part. But that's, that's like, that's my outlook. Like, it's, it's yeah. stuff that will never be produced, and whose market has probably already left, for the most part. So, like, it's, it's like, the nichest kind of thing. Um, like in a parallel, it's not the same niche. I would call it a parallel niche to stuff like, you know, when Mastermind was doing the Hearts of Steel designs, like Mm -hmm. what's the audience for that? It can't possibly be the same audience that want to buy multiple one to $200 masterpiece alikes every month. But I find like it's, it's a more touching niche to operate in. I don't know. I, I I personally, you know, speak and, and speaking in the sense of, of course, the people who originally worked on these these things are probably never going to see any kind of credit for any of it. I, I love the idea of those, un, un, um, I guess, unborn ideas, you know, finding a way to exist um, without thinking too hard about the very gray moral argument that one could stem out of it. Unless they are actually getting a hold of the resins, in which case, like, yo, can I have one? <laughs> um... But I uh, hope that answered that listener question. I've got another shorty here, and it's it starts with the words hypothetical situation. Uh, this comes from Malunus T, who is consistently listening to our backlog at a frightening pace. Uh, he's actually been posting some audio clips of... He's, he's the fellow who used to post audio clips of our podcast on YouTube before his YouTube channels got uh, nullified. And uh, he's actually been posting one or two clips up on Tumblr of late. I've been, I've been reblogging those. Uh, okay. 
but he's got a hypothetical situation here. One of the Decepticons from the Alternity has come to our world and erased Michael Bay from existence and uses a retcon cannon to erase the mere concept of producing a new Transformers movie. How would Transformers as a franchise evolve without the funding and influence of the cinematic universe? Would this be the end of Transformers as we know them today? And to, to maybe ground this question a bit, because I think there is a really solid idea here. What if the Transformers movie didn't work and we never had the movie money happen? Uh, oh, so you're saying, like, the first one was a failure, yeah, not a success. like, the, okay. it never took off. Like, it G.I. Joe'd. Let's, like, let's imagine um, that. Um, I, I, I think that that answers your question. Does it, though? Because G.I. Joe inherently lacks Transformers' own inherent draw. Because G.I. Joe is already a concept that's so hard to get mm-hmm. across now. Transformers, at least, is still its robots what turn into things. But, do you, like, um, I don't know, like, what... Because my, my envisioning is Transformers would probably still exist... It just w- we would not have seen the the neo classics renaissance that we saw through the late aughts through the early 2010s. Like I think we would have ended be up more gimmick bouncing like Armada Energon Cybertron. Yeah, I, I think that we like you know if that had never if the movie money had never happened, uh, robots in disguise, uh, for example, a cartoon like that probably would have come out sometime you know this year or a couple years ago. I think the fandom would have been like hanging on to its every word the same way that it hung on to nearly the every word of all three Unicron trilogy shows because they were the only stuff out to take a look at. Um, I also wonder if IDW's comic books would have flourished as a result or would have dissipated as a result, because I'm actually really unsure how much influence the movie money had on that license uh, persisting. But... I don't know, like, uh, what, like, Aaron, what do you think we would have seen, say, two years after the flop of Transformers 1? Two years after the flop of Transformers 1 um, would have definitely been a much more curtailed line. Mm. Um, probably, I'm trying to think of that time frame. Yeah, it would have been a much different much different deal because there wouldn't have been the money. There wouldn't have been the, the interest in it. I mean, it'd be like, okay, for, for our world's example, you know, the green lantern movie didn't do so well. Yeah. So you saw kind of that, that movie line stuff kind of drag on for quite a bit. And now like, how long has it taken other DC, like what the Batman movies were good, but I think that was a fluke of, of director and content is very much over top of everything else. Very much. None so. of those other movies have really hit. Whereas the Marvel movie stuff has hit well. So I don't know if maybe there would be some other kind of s- similar boys toy franchise thing that would step into that. I, I bet you that GI Joe would have been the state it is now five years ago. Because I think that taking the like the Transformers movie, I think had a hand in the GI Joe movie stuff taking that risk. Yeah, and I think that that sort of put GI Joe on enough of a life support to exist in retail up until last year. Mm-hmm. I think GI Joe would have just been gone by that point. Because like I think I think that Hasbro and movies would have just not happened. Battleship would not have happened. Um, a lot of that stuff in those investor slides, like you know, right now Hasbro really cruxes um, a decent chunk of their money meat on the fact that they uh use their properties to make films that make lots of money um and i I mean they certainly would still have star wars in their purview but uh they wouldn't have as many original properties i don't think uh tj what do you see as like you know the the years after an 07 transformers film that didn't work Hmm. 
Well, the last vestige before we got to the movies was the classics line, which to my knowledge did well at the time. Uh, if I recall correctly, it both did like it did better than expected. And it was this weird kind of one year filler with very few toys. Um, right. it, it was kind of a holding pattern line. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. It wasn't even like one year. It was like three deluxe waves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, like literally just to fill space. Uh, but that being the most recent thing that actually seemed to work for them, I wouldn't have been surprised if Hasbro fell back on that, come up with something more akin to G1, but with the gimmicks of the Unicron trilogy era. Mm. Just trying, you know, trying to make, you know, like uh, flippy gimmicky toys that kids could be into that collectors would still be buying up and try and try trying to basically recover off of what they already had instead of trying to make something completely new. But I don't know. We had, we had such a stride when that money, when the movie money came in, like it's almost hard for me to imagine what would have ended up if that didn't happen or if the movie tanked, you know, I I think transformers would still be around, mm-hmm. but I think it would still be in the round. Ra- I think it'd still be around the way that He-Man and the Masters of the Universe are still around. I, I, I think it would, it would have it, a retail. Yeah. I think Because He-Man, for whatever reason, never seems to be able to hold a retail presence and it held, it held a collector presence. I feel like Transformers would be the opposite. Like, it would still hold a retail presence with those collector nods. Which I think is a little healthier than where He-Man is. Well, but yeah, to be sure. Yeah, I, but, I like. I think I think you're on the money though. Like, I think one would look at the that first wave of classics as like maybe that would be less the root and more like the baseline for for the years after. Man, what would the gimmicks be? Like, do you think they just they just like dial right back to minicons? It'd be something. Mm. It, it. I I, you know, I don't know what it would be, but I bet it would be still the same. Universal line-wide thing, trying to get, you know, multiple purchasing across thing. I mean, it's working for Combiner Wars. I don't think that we'd see anything like Combiners. But I'm sure that there would be some sort of, like, you know... Some yeah. gimmick along those lines. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. trying to come. I'm trying to think yeah. of something like it. I, I, but uh, I, I, we, we, we had a, we kind of had a renaissance of them being just. Thanks to the movie money, we had these figures where they could take a risk, you know, yeah. animated with a completely different aesthetic. Or, you know, these days with uh, working combiners back in, which was originally seen as completely infeasible. Well, I had this these two other keystone moments I was thinking about while we were talking. And TJ, you just kind of brought up one of them. I believe, if I recall correctly, animated as a show, not necessarily named animated, like that was in development Bef- like slightly before and then during the first movie if i recall correctly like if i recall things correctly in this scenario the animated project may still have happened perhaps as heroes rather than animated and i wonder what that might have been like like i think the toys definitely would have been simpler um or less numerous but i wonder how much of an impact that might have had and like if that would have still ended up dictating um, a lot of ideas like, you know, the idea that Transformers can just can just have transforming as the gimmick for a little while. 
um, that is, you know, was evidenced by like the generations line for for quite a quite a long time. Uh, the other big keystone I was thinking of is when oil prices went crazy. That was that happened irregardless of Transformers. Mm-hmm. I wonder if uh, in this scenario, product would have not gotten as intense as it did in 09, 2010, and 2011, and if the effects of oil costs would have been less noticeable. Like, it wouldn't have been that hard swerve we all saw in 2012 with the fall of Cybertron toys. Um, that's that, so that, like, you know, animated and oil costs are two things that I think wouldn't have been, like, those two things would have happened regardless um, the form animated would have taken, I think, would have been different, and I think our perception of the oil cost effects would have been different. But it's kind of fascinating to, to think of the idea, because we we kind of take for granted now that every two years Transformers will get a multi billion dollar money injection, because it kind of has for like what eight years. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a really a really interesting question. Uh, so thank you, Melanie C. Um, any other, like, is there anything else you guys thought, uh, would be pertinent to throw in in that situation? No. I'm just scanning really. the doc. Yeah, not especially. Uh, cause we got a biggie that I, I would like to cover. Do you guys want to go into the big one? Sure. So, uh, no, this came from the Helixian, um, and I'm kind of paraphrasing a lot of this question cause it was a bit of a complicated one and I wanted to simplify it down a little bit for the sake of the podcast. So the boiled down version, uh, that I, I thought would be fun to talk about is I got a list of, you know, eras of transformer toy lines and with articulation being the primary, uh, quantifiable variable of design, you know, so treating articulation as our touchstone, uh, for talking about this. In terms of articulation, uh, what would be, like, the defining toys of each of these eras? Uh, some of these, I think, would be super easy to, to talk about as well, and some could be interesting. So I, I figured let's let's give this a shot. Um, so, like, speaking to G1, like, let's say uh, pre-Headmasters G1, uh, I feel like it comes down to Jetfire and Perceptor myself, unless I'm forgetting anybody. As far as toys that were able to do a surprising amount for uh, for what you know what was available, well, articulation wise, yeah, Jetfire yeah. had elbows, which was a huge thing back then, mm-hmm. and legs that could actually go forward and bend at the knee. That was that was a little bit unique at the time. Um, he cheated a little bit in that he was like a straight up Macross toy. <laughs> Well, yeah, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. If you're talking like in-house, something more along the lines of, I, I want to say Soundwave. I can see that. I know because he had a good, he had good shoulder range. He had the he had a thigh swivel. He had a neck rotation that was rare in G1. Yeah, I don't think Perceptor had that, if I recall correctly. Oh, he might. Have, I can't remember now because he had that dial thing to make his head raise up. So I'm kind of assuming his head was locked. Yeah, Soundwave is also like a super common one uh, to talk about. I, I guess it would, if we ignore Jetfire, like yeah, those two would be heavy hitters. Aaron, have you got any ideas? Um, Optimus Prime is up there. He, he, I don't oh, yeah. think he beats those two out, but he he definitely had hips, knees, elbows. He didn't have universal shoulders, right? Odd. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah, he, he didn't, didn't have. They weren't universal. He, he, he kind of did. Could, he had to forward and back due to transformation. Yeah, yeah. He could yeah. do outward though, right? I was just making sure I right. remember. Um, 
Well, he could do he could do the up and down shoulder, but then he had the hinge that opened it that it let his arm go like sideways. Yeah, yeah. So you could make it go sideways and then you go up, and it kind of works. I think I did that cheat with my G two one a couple times when I wanted him to like hold his gun up in the way that you know you make toys do that. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I think I think it really yeah. It, to me, I would at the end of the day, the reason why I tend to put Perceptor up there is because like Soundwave is so close. Um, and like, this is certainly not a, you know, slagging on the toy. Cause it's like that toy was designed like pre 84 Soundwave comes super close. If only like some stuff had just been keyed slightly different, he would have like working hips and knees with the design he has, you know, stock. And I feel like Perceptor is able to just pull off a little bit more without as many frustrating limitations. But I'm also just really won over by his outward hip motion, so I, I like maybe that's a supreme bias. I really don't know. Yeah, I would I would say those two would be the heavy hitters. Um, can you guys think of anyone else that might go up there? Like I, I would say those two would be the heavy hitters. Optimus Prime would be a definite mention. Um, certainly not at the top. I recently was surprised by the elbows on a toy, and I can't remember which one it was. No, I can't remember. Um, if that, if like, I, I would say those two, like, give them the joint, yeah. the joint win for early G1. Um, so let's, let's look at late G1, like Headmasters onwards. Uh, what would you guys say might define articulation? And who would be at the top of the heap in that pile? I had an answer for this, and it was a Headmaster, but I can't remember who now. Man, I don't know, because it seemed like at a certain point, articulation kind of fell off. Yeah, that was the era where even elbows were put to the side. Yeah. I like I want I want to say Brainstorm. I remember him being pretty poseable for that era. Cuz he had hips and I think he had knees due to his transformation. He had no elbows. Um see if I'm trying to remember I remember right. Like the one that comes to my mind is Double Cross. Mm. Like Back then, yeah. that was, like, the first toy I can remember having, like, actual universal shoulder articulation. And I, I should mention two things, by the way, while we're talking. A, we basically didn't really prepare for this. I just wanted to, to kind of to hack it out and have some fun talking about it. B, we all, or at least in my case, like, there are some toys I've still never messed with, and Double Cross is one of them. Yeah. It's not the most well-known of toys, but I, I, I hold a torch for it. I've always been real... Kind of upset with myself that I never got any of the. Oh, I always almost call them horror cons. They're not. Those are the monster bots, right? Yeah, yeah. I've uh, all three monster bots. I've never messed with any of them beyond like you know a casual poking at a convention. Um, and I always thought they looked super cool. Uh, those those are like one of those long term goals where it's like I every time I'm at a show I'm like I should get one of them and I never do. Um, but yeah, I I, I did not know about the universal shoulders on that guy. Shoulders. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Sh- yeah, I- universal shoulders and then, like, inward elbows because the, the joint itch for his dragon necks. I think this... Uh, universal shoulders on an older toy also are, are big a big thing because uh, especially having messed with, you know, like, the current Ninja Turtles line, it makes you wonder about, like, what the most valuable points of articulation are. And I feel like a shoulder joint that can do forward, back, and out is, like... On a toy that otherwise is kind of immobile, that's that's a big thing. Yeah, like you can get a lot of emotion out of that. Um, that's why I've always been bummed out about G One Optimus's uh, 
hips because of his knees. Because he's got these knee joints and they just never look quite right because his hips can't really go forward. They can only sort of go back. And mm-hmm. so he always looks less like he's walking and more like he's falling forward. And uh, it's like the existence of one joint makes the, the lack of another hurt a bit more. Um, yeah, Double Cross, if he's got universal shoulders, that's big. Um, I would say Brainstorm just has a, a nice basic suite between the shoulders, hips, and knees. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else I messed with recently. There was a target master I was happy with. Was it uh, Slug Slinger? I think he had shoulders, elbows, hips, and knees. If I recall correctly. I'm going to take a quick look at a picture. You're uh, getting into an era where I don't have a great knowledge. Slug Slinger was a toy I got to play with at a friend's house one time, and that's my only experience with that figure. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Slug Slinger, um, if I am remembering right, now here's the only thing I don't remember. I don't remember if his legs were fused in their motion, but he's got hips, knees, elbows. Uh, he doesn't have a forward shoulder joint, but he has an outward shoulder joint. And I always remembered feeling really good about his posability for a late G1. Um... But yeah, like, you know, if we don't have everything available to us, it's going to... Oh, I, sorry, I just found a picture. His legs were not locked together. That's big then. He was able to walk without looking... You know, he looked kind of 80s goofy, but he could still walk. Um, I don't want to belager this too much with us sort of half-remembering toys we've touched but don't own. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't really come to a solid conclusion on that era through a lack of inexperience, or a lack of experience. A, a wealth of inexperience. <laughs> um, shall we move on to Beast Era? Because I think that would be an interesting one. Because everyone in Beast Wars was pretty poseable. Yeah. So, like, who do you think like did it among among the Beast Wars pantheon? Who who always do you feel <laughs> felt the strongest in what they did? Here, I, before we get to this, I'm going to throw a shout out to the Cyberjet fans who feel slighted by G2 being skipped. Yeah, this list sort of entirely skipped G2 and Machine Wars. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and if we're going to talk G two, as far as defining posability, I think it comes down to the laser rods, uh, including Laser Optimus, like because that was the moment, right? Right. Um, like you know, there are toys more posable than them, but those toys were like the moment of like, oh my god, Transformers that can actually look like they use their swords, like ball joints. What is this? Yeah, um, I would almost say it goes without question that the laser rod. Uh, you know, laser rod, laser prime lineup subline is like the defining moment of posability in Transformers just in general. Because uh, as I recall, that's that's when I first as a little kid was like just amazed. And I had like my laser rod. I forgot which one, the black one, just riding on Skylinks's back. And I was like, I love that I have a Transformer that I, that can do this. And like that toy was just, just automatically became my favorite toy. Um. Anyway. Yeah, we are passing over that stuff. Beast Wars, let's stop hiding from it and let's talk about it. Uh, I don't even know where to begin with Beast Wars. I'm just going to try to think about toys that I had fun posing. Um, either of you guys have like a Beast Wars toy that jumps to mind for its posability? Where do you put something like um, Air Attack Optimus Primal? Since it was Beast Machines, or meant Beast for Beast Machines. Machines. Yeah, because this list is treating it, sorry, as Beast Era, not not just beast wars okay mm. um air attack primal like he's in there sorry yeah i should have i should have looked at the list closer it's beast era and i think air attack primal has some real moments worth talking about i don't know if he would be top of the heap because his weight makes him not 
very easy to keep standing in poses. Right. I, that was just the one that leaped to mind thinking beasts of very posable. Yeah. Like, I mean, Optimus Primal was good posability, but not... I think he had a bit of yeah. chunk to him, too. But really, so many of those toys... Yeah. Um, from There were some good legends... Or not legends. Um, basics and deluxes in there that had an amazing suite of posability, you know, especially for the time that we were in that still do a good job of defining like, what does everything need to have? Yeah. I feel like it's hard. It, like a lot of toys in that era were just these wads of ball socket joints. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and like, there are some that I think, you know, wore it a lot worse than some other ones. But if I was like, it's hard to pick out a single toy. I would say like, if I was going to narrow it down to, uh, a subsection beast machines battle for the all spark was the subline is that what it was called you know that second wave of beast machines battle for the spark battle for, battle for the, the spark. spark right there was no such thing as the all spark yet uh battle for the spark beast machines basics i think were like a real strong total package to to take a look at for um accomplishing so much with like the small like the least amount of distraction because a lot a lot of the deluxes um, in Beast Machines, I th- I felt like some of them, you know, were pretty strong, but they would often get distracted in some way. Whereas the the basics didn't have the budget to get distracted, if that makes any uh-huh. sense. Yeah. Um. Like my automatic answer is almost just like, well, Night Viper because his legs are made of snake. But then I recall there were parts of him that weren't as easy to pose. He's got the bicep curler thing going on too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's disqualified immediately <laughs> get out <laughs> we're talking like like what's what's your like definitive like point of reference for a, for a toy lines articulation something i think something in my head goes to like first impressions like me going through g2 and a lot of g1 repaints and a lot of the euro g1s coming over there were still very like i think my last g2 figure was rapido and he's still just a chunk figure with elbows and that's it mm-hmm and then going straight into like first wave beast wars with like Cheetor, who has like every point of articulation that you would expect on a modern figure. Like right off the bat, like the very like one of the first toys you could pick up and it's got what six times the articulation of your typical Transformer. Yeah. Um, you know, your your Cheetor, your Tigatron. Um I actually never messed with a Waspinator until the reissue, but I remember Waspinator felt pretty good too. Um, yeah, Waspinator's got a lot. Uh, his his leg transformation kind of makes his a little bit weird, but I I feel like I spent the most time playing in Beast Wars with the basics. Like I I don't know, maybe this is just a personal yeah. taste thing, but like uh the spring the spring fire the Machine Wars sequel basics like Terrorsaur and Iguanus. Um, again, like I, I guess this is less about articulation as a sole quantifier, but more so how much you got for your for your money spent. Um, I always felt like those guys were super characterful, especially since I never saw Machine Wars as a kid, because uh, it never, like, I never saw it, basically. There were no KBs near me, because I was in Canada. I forgot who in Canada might have had it. Um, and I have a harder time thinking of defining deluxes for some reason. Um, a lot of the deluxes kind of follow the same pattern. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of hard to quantify them on an articulation basis when so many shared the same levels and like the same significant points of articulation. Right. It's it's hard to say when everybody's 
virtually identical, you'd yeah. have to sit there and think, okay, who has kibble that chunks up against other kibble more? Right, right. I would have to quantify it by who was worse than the others. You know, like yeah. Transmetal 2 Cheetor's articulation sucks compared to this pr- previous two figures. Yeah, and, and like if we're going to go numerical, I would almost say, well, you know, taking for granted the basic suite, who added things like ankle tilts, for instance? I want to say Transmetal 2 Iguanas had ankle tilts? I remember correctly i'll go i'll go take a look um but then you know am, am i just focusing too much on like a single added piece of articulation over you know its effectiveness uh transmetal 2 iguanas i think did have ankle tilt he's got ball socket ankles i don't remember if they had side to side tilt i loved that toy by the way if you've never messed with transmetal 2 iguanas like that transmetal 2 has to me some defining toys iguanas and scourge are two of them um I don't know what the flaking would be like now, but they're well worth taking a look at. I really don't know where to where to conclude on Beast Wars because it's so hard. For some reason, I find it so hard to focus on just a figure's articulation in that line. Like, yeah, we can cite disappointments, but it's yeah, it's it's. I can't think of a top of the heap really. Um, other than like, oh man, like, like Air Attack Primal was an achievement for posable hands. I was I would almost say that was the first Transformers yeah. toy with like a with like, posable, like fingers. Yeah, posable fingers that also look good when they were posing. Mhm. Like, like did did he come out before or after Fire Convoy? He would have been after Fire Convoy because he was in like that whole range of stuff that stretched out. Okay, cuz I think God, Robots, Godfire Convoy might have done posable hands first then. Might right, have. but were they great? What was it like? One finger or one joint? Because Air Attack had two joints per finger, didn't he? Two joints for four fingers. Oh, you're right. You're right. Um, I, you know, I'm gonna take a look at another picture just to see if I can fact check myself. Because I remember spending a lot of time posing the hands on Godfire Convoy, but uh, I think you're right. It was just one knuckle joint, and it might have been a unified knuckle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind me. Um, yeah, Air Attack Primal had, like, individual fingers, right? I just looked at mine. I never mess with one. I'll go and take a look. I will help out. <laughs> I will help the committee. Um, yes, he did. Okay, I'm gonna, unless we are forgetting something, I would say he's, he was the first time that posable hands really worked on a Transformer. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. He was designed for Beast Machines, right? Yes. Yeah. So, he was designed for Beast Machines and got shelved because Beast Machines well, kind of well because did he was its supposed thing. to he was supposed to come after Supreme Cheetor and then nobody could sell right. Supreme Cheetor. And man, it's such a bummer when you actually mess with Air Attack Primal and you realize Supreme Cheetor is what killed him. Right. And you're like, you idiot Cheetor, why did you do this? <laughs> <laughs> I think well, okay. Everything we're saying like Air Attack Primal, he kind of this is a stupid thing to say about an Optimus Primal toy. He kind of has gorilla arms going on, right? That's the point, though. I think he had yeah. he had he had wrist uh. swivels though too, so I I can't complain yeah. too much. Um, okay, on major technicalities, shall we give this one to Air Attack Primals for the sake of moving on? I'm looking at I'm looking at photos of him. All I remember is posing him was tricky because he was heavy, mm-hmm. but he has an, a, a nice suite of joints. And and he's pulling off hands, which would have been a major first. 
These photos are making me remember he has a literal just pink bear monkey butt right behind monkey. his head. I forgot about yeah, that. <laughs> that. That's not where you keep your spare monkey butt? No, I, I, flip it, I flip it around so it's not, you know, I'm not getting some wedge factor of my head between the cheeks. These smells will linger, man. Uh, let's just say Air Attack Primal for his hands when focused intensely on articulation advances. And then if someone gets real mad at us, then I don't know, we'll apologize to them. I don't know what else we would do. Uh, the next thing on the bullet list here is Unicron Trilogy. Thank goodness we are just boiling it down. Because would you guys agree with me if I said if we're going to talk about articulation in Unicron Trilogy, we were mostly just looking at Galaxy Force and Cybertron? Yeah. I... Yeah, I think so. Energon has a few standouts, but not nearly as many as Cybertron. Yeah, like if if we were going to give any nods, like it would definitely be you know Bendy Prime from Armada is uh-huh. a big nod, and from from Energon, like I would almost say, oh, what's his name? Uh, Landquake, the big orange man with the brute mode. Somewhere between Landmine, Landmine, yeah, yeah, Landmine and Springer, both I thought were real next level. Okay, so it's uh, it was sprung in Japan, so not Springer. Oh, and right. And it was bulkhead over here. I really I forgot he was bulkhead. What a yeah. stupid name for that toy. <laughs> That's where the name came that from. Dumb stick. I think because I watched Superlink, I just mentally translated it to Springer and just left it at that in my head. Man, what a stupid <laughs> name for. Okay, <laughs> friggin' Springer. Just look at him. We got a green helicopter. What do we call him? Bulkhead. Perfect. So, and then somewhere deep in the offices, someone's like, "That's not the right name for a green guy." <laughs> and then just sort of, it's that sort of percolated for two years. Uh, yeah, I, like I, I think that you know, in the Unicron trilogy, any standout would probably be coming from the Cybertron line. Um, mm. so this is super. This is super biased and without much thought for everything he does. I feel like Galaxy Convoy is like a real defining figure for that line in that he has a big ass gimmick eating up a ton of his budget, but he's still entirely posable with or without the gimmick attached to him. Yeah. I would yeah. agree. Yeah, you can't talk favoritism with that. That's still my favorite toy ever. Yeah, it's 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 like up there as one of my like if I was gonna say top ten Transformers, like given the number of times I look deifically at that toy, it probably would be there. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anyone just straight up more solidly posable than him in a, in a um, Unicron trilogy defining way. Proposability, um, I, I'm, I would, I would toss out crosswise maybe. I suck at Cybertron names. I'm going to take a quick the, look. The black car, the Bugatti. Oh, uh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So, okay, here's my memory of him. My memory of him is he's really posable, but I always had trouble getting him to look good at the end of an attempt to put him in a pose. Like, he had so much... He had so much upper bulk. Like, there was something about it that never quite looked right to me. I need to mess with the toy again. This is this is just my vague memory of, of playing around with him. Um... I guess he sort of sticks out in a way that also, guess what other line this list passed over was car robots. <laughs> oh, geez. I just noticed. Uh, I'm going off the list we were provided with because I didn't want to put too much thought into like pre-thought into this. I wanted to just run with it. Well, to be fair, car robots is almost all repaints anyway. Yeah, there's 
there's like a couple original toys that are extremely beast era ish and like like you know it's okay car robots and already 2001 like that's a line a lot of people think of opposable car transformers for sure right but then like for some i don't know in the long run i often don't think about that line like i get in the same way i don't really think about beast wars other than like those are the lines where everyone had ball joints and like that's about it <laughs> Um, Crosswise, like, I don't know why I never think of him as a standout. Because he certainly has got, like, a full suite. Like, he, he would be... Oh, he, you know what? He, he doesn't have ankle tilts. Did anyone in Cybertron have ankle tilts? Oh, jeez. Uh, now, now you got me looking. Now you got me looking. Um, did Megatron have ankle tilts, or did he just have transformation joints? I think there were transformation joints yeah. that worked I as think ankle you could, tilts. I think you, you could push them into service as an ankle tilt. I'm just looking at photos of them. There, yeah, there are photos where they are being used as ankle tilts. You know, okay, looking at them, so this is the opposite. So crosswise, I would always forget about, and then I'd pick him up, and I'd feel a little disappointed. Megatron, I'd always forget about. I'd pick him up, and I'd be like, man, this toy is the best toy ever. If not for that dumb Unicron yellow on his arms, he'd be the best toy. Well, that's why you get Galvatron. I I never got Galvatron, and then he became expensive. <laughs> I still would really like to get a Cybertron Galvatron someday for a, a non-crazy price. Okay, I'm gonna hmm, I'm gonna say controversially that I think Megatron. I don't. Hmm. If I try to set my biases aside, I think Megatron pulls off more than Optimus. Like as a I would actually robot. agree with that. Yeah, like double jointed elbows, yeah. full shoulders, hips, ankle tilts. I don't think he had a waist joint because that that stuff all split apart, so there was nowhere to fit one. And I I don't think I ever had problems getting him to stand up either, because partly because his feet are enormous. Um, man, I really like that Megatron toy. His alt mode, his car alt mode was amazing. Like that Batmobile, like. I love that. Mm -hmm. Man, I love that toy. I, sh I should have dug him out when I was I was in Victoria last week. Uh, there was no room to dig anything out because there was a bunch of construction and other stuff we were busy with. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Cybertron Megatron would be my personal one I would, I would put up there. When I think about him and Galaxy Convoy, Galaxy Convoy pulls off a ton with his gimmick stuff on. Megatron has got his own assortment of gimmicks. He's got three modes and he's pretty poseable. Like I kind of want to, I kind of want to push him a little bit. You know what? Get both if you're trying to if you're trying to pick stuff up based <laughs> on their their uh, their significance to articulation advance. Also, you should just get both because they're both really cool toys. Like the two Cybertron leader toys were like, what a great way to kick that line off. I think that was the first time where it was like all the leader toys just made me happy. Yeah, even Metroplex. I really like, I mean, I got what's, um, like, I forgot his convoy name now. Megalo Convoy. Megalo Convoy. I really dig that toy. He's so, like, there's parts of him that are so dumb. Like, that's but, a toy where it's just, let's just cram as many articulation points in as we can and then figure out how they make a robot, how they make a vehicle. Yet, I don't know if I would say he is as effective at posing as Megatron. I would say no. I would say no, because he, he is a little bit clunkier and a little bit stiffer than Megatron. Yeah, but, but you know, he has the same advantage I'd give to Galaxy Convoy. He's got, and this is, you know, more undocumented, but he's got that alternate robot mode that is still posable. You know, the shorter robot mode? 
Oh, that mode. The stocky little guy robot mode. Like he's, yeah, those, those three, were there any other leader toys? It was those three. I don't think Sonic Bomber was a leader toy. No, he wasn't. No, he was. No, he wasn't. Yeah. So it was those three, right? Were like the, the leader price pointed toys. Yeah. I don't want to go look that up. Yeah. Those three are all. Well, I'm looking at them. I'm good here. Yeah. Those, those, those three were, were, I think real strong, like, because, you know, that's the end of the Unicron trilogy. That's when posability, you know, over the course of Energon, as it came back during Energon, it like it cemented itself in Cybertron with toys yeah. like that. Yeah, I feel as the the budget went away from the gimmick, it went into the articulation. Yeah. And like there are Cybertron toys that didn't pull it off the way that those leader toys did. Um, Like if I was going to go for the easy answer, like look at Backstop. You know, like he didn't really, he didn't really, he pulled, he's incredibly posable for the shape he is, but <laughs> that's, that's an interesting way to put that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds like some sort of like backhanded compliment. Yeah. You know, he can't choose the shape that he's supposed to be, but he pulls off a lot with it. Like, and, and I think some of the, some of the beast that ones. table, that table stands remarkably well for only having one leg. Yeah. You know, like I thought it would fall over immediately, but it's this moment where it teeters for a little bit as though it tries to stay up. Uh, apologies to backstop fans out there. I'm sure there are. Um, like in Cybertron, like there are also all these different, you know, aesthetics, and I think there might be there might be more lithe figures in there, but but the Unicron trilogy to me was about this weird. It's you know the the whole trilogy as a toy line was about this strange. You know, it started off as gimmick first, articulation second, and then it kind of like reversed that equation over the course of like what three or four years, uh, and then those the Cybertron leader toys like represent a ton of that. Let's I don't know I w- I would I would be okay saying them. I don't know. Uh, is there anything that anyone else you guys think warrants some mention off the top of your head? Sounds like no. Not really. All right. Uh, then let's talk about one that uh, I think is real interesting is the first movie line. Uh, and this this question that came in mentioned that it was uh, showing like this transition between Unicron trilogy and later movie lines uh, designs like with, with toys like Stockade, which is something I myself, I think I've I've. I've proponented it before is that there are some movie one toys that are like totally like these, these uh, missing link toys. Uh, the Aveo swerve toy is another missing link toy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in movie one, like, you know, movie one definitely had posability, but did not prioritize it in many of its opening figures. Um, I'm trying to think to myself what I would think is a defining toy for that one. But uh, articulation wise, like anything you guys can think of that really stuck out to you. For me, probably wreckage. Yeah. Uh oh yeah, him. Okay. I needed like half a second to not think of one of the mono eye ones. But yeah, that's the Arctic colored guy with the arm blades. Yeah. And yeah, that guy was cool. Uh I'm gonna take a look at a picture of him and make myself all happy. Um yeah, yeah that guy definitely was a especially from being in the opening waves, that guy was a real standout. Um, I actually can't think of many problems with him other than like, like some, you know, one could say his head being at that downward tilt is an issue. I've never felt like that's really that big an issue. Yeah, I was going to make this big case about some of the later, like, you know, battle for the all spark ones. Uh, but like wreckage pulled this off before that happened. I would, yeah, I would agree with you guys. Wreckage is like a defining movie toy from that line for sure. 
He's even got like the weapon gimmick. He's kind of got like a Cybertron looking head. Like a less movie looking head. Right. Yeah. I, I, I had this whole case in my head all about toys like like um the, the what's his name? Incinerator. Uh but no, yeah, you guys are I think you guys are right on the money with wreckage. Yeah. I would say case closed, wreckage. Don't try to start something about it, because we'll probably forget about this conversation. Um, going into animated, uh, which uh, had a, a lot of real in, like animated had a lot of toys that looked beautiful standing, just standing there in their posture. Uh, but outside of that, when it came to posability, uh, was there anything that stuck out to you guys during the animated run? I I got one immediately. That's yeah, man. A- stand out. So there were quite a few of them that were good. I mean, yeah. I still love Bulkhead. Mm-hmm. For maybe not posability, but the way he poses, if that makes sense. Yeah, like he looks he looks natural when he's posing. Like, especially considering his body size, like it would have been so mm-hmm. easy for that toy to look awkward as hell the moment mm-hmm. you move a joint. Um, yeah, I mean he's he's I mean you know given that he's like the most funny looking robot who had a lot of toys in that line like he's kind of really indicative of that style on the whole right that's definitely a a strong contender like mine is the end of line one which is rodimus who has that mixture of an animated aesthetic he's got like a much different aesthetic than a lot of other robots because he's got like this sort of inverse of proportions which i believe was brought up um by folks who worked on the toy but i felt like he also was able to pull off just these really intense poses that look that like that just really spoke of like take a look at this guy look at how his two modes don't really look like each other in terms of like where the parts are going and look at how his posability just like accommodates the 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 very nature of 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 the character that he gets across the sort of young hothead uh commanding type man i'm also thinking about oh. prowl now Prowl was yeah. really cool. Prowl, Prowl came to mind. Blur, Lockdown came to mind. I think the one that gets overlooked a lot is the Cybertronian Optimus. Oh my god. I used to talk about how everyone ignored that toy. You're right. And then you ignored it. Yeah, I did. Because, again, my biases came into effect. I have this enormous bias towards animated Rodimus because I, I adore that toy. Um, but yeah, Cybertronian Deluxe Optimus... Um, he was almost defining, actually, in that he his posability was part of his transformation. You know how he would transform, swinging the axe down, right? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would definitely push him to to the top level immediately. Uh, that deluxe Optimus for sure. Rodimus. Now that we're talking about stuff like Bulkhead and Prowl, like Rodimus, I would say is is second tier. Um. Yeah, those guys, like, for animated sake, like, I think accomplished way more. Um, I don't think of anyone else. I, I mean, I, I think Prowl really is... The more I think about Prowl, the more I would want to push for him, or somewhere between him and Optimus. Because Prowl also makes use of his articulation in his transformation. Like, just the way that uh-huh. his legs, like, blade out of the wheels. There's really something in there, like... I mean, I would definitely say in ter- like if we're gonna talk about animated toys that that represent articulation, it would probably be the deluxes. 
because uh, the Voyagers, the Voyagers for the most part were real strong, but they like you know as much as I love uh, Shockwave, um, I think the Voyagers are real strong, but I don't know if they are like pinnacle moments like that deluxe Cybertronian Optimus. Now, I still tout that Shockwave is one of the best tricks in transforming. Oh yeah, he's that's that's one of the best Transformers toys. Period. Yeah. Um, for for pulling off what should have been like impossible, uh, and like the number of things it does to pull it off too. Like the fact that the long arm Prime robot mode is not a complete wash, uh, is, uh-huh. is amazing. But when it comes to animated, like the 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 very boiled down point I would think of is like is like I guess animation in action and like dynamic look uh when when do when when in action it really makes me want to pull for that Cybertronian Deluxe Optimus actually because he's I don't I don't did any other toy really have that moment he had of like swinging the axe down while turning into a robot uh Earth Mode Deluxe Optimus Prime. Well, okay, that's... <laughs> <laughs> you asked. Yeah, the retools would have that same moment. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I can't, Did that Earth Mode Prime, That he always had the spring-loaded waist, right? Like, even that, that clean Japanese version? I think, I think so. so yeah. yeah, that was a bummer. I don't know. I kind of want to say Deluxe Cybertronian Prime. Although I think that, like, all the other ones we mentioned are totally up there as well. It's just I think Prime has the... he The one thing he has is, like, that real intense moment of the axe swing. And, like, I don't know if anyone else really... Bulkhead kinda has it when he... You know, Voyager Bulkhead, when the spring load thing on his arms, when they both swing around and, like, borderline his... his like, his his claw hands almost clap together in front of him. Like, that's super damn cool. As is Prowl's legs, but I I think that Optimus is is like that one extra step above. And like I would also I I'll mention I would be talking up Voyager Prime's um, tornado spin thing if it worked reliably all the time, but it's such a weird tricky thing. Like when it works, it's incredible, but it's I in my opinion very difficult to set up to actually work right. Yeah. What do you guys say? Should we? Are you guys, do you guys feel okay if we just if we say at the very top of all these heaps for animated we say deluxe Optimus? Yeah, all right. Sure. Uh, then after animated, next up is just all whacked together movie two, three, and four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I would I would caution if one were really dividing eras up. Movie two really is its own era. Um, I would I would agree with the idea that movies three and four were extremely similar uh, in that they I think they tried to do the same thing, which was simplify the the user end process. But like movie two, like like the Revenge of the Fallen toy line is a is a monstrous beast. Uh, It's it's like one of the most intimidating Transformers lines to ever be released. Um, By virtue of that, like everyone in that line if you thought about it, ended up pretty poseable for better or for worse. Like, let's talk about Revenge of the Fallen Mixmaster, who's kind of not, who's kind of always in a pose. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> always. There's there. Okay, that's my favorite one so far. Yeah, because he's always in a pose. He's always in a pose because he's never really standing still. 
because you can't tell. <laughs> I, I would say out of all the movie lines, really, like the one that pulled off the best stuff while representing that aesthetic was was the Revenge of the Fallen leader Optimus. Like that that toy is borderline considered a masterpiece nowadays. And the number of times it's been released as a movie three or four toy. <laughs> More so a movie three toy, I guess. Um like I I feel like that's really like the the go to one. Like if you're gonna say one toy out of that line. That's actually a hard one for me to think back on because I, I ditched most of my Revenge of the Fallen toys. A lot, a lot of them were samey at the end of the like they were unique but kind of samey in that the transformation is super hard and the robot mode's pretty poseable. But I I feel like the that's, one or good. That's that's that was the one line where I defined as <laughs> over engineered, just trying way way too hard to figure out how to get everything absolutely flawless in the robot mode and never really feeling like we can do this, but should we do this? Right. Yeah. I I, I feel like leader prime was like one of the, like, and especially considering, you know, how crazy his transformation was, he felt enge- like heavily engineered, but I never felt like he was over engineered. Like he had a crazy transformation, but he was doing it for a reason. I think that leader prime is necessary. Yeah. Like it's very complicated. It it takes a while to transform. Some of us know better than others. Uh, but yeah, everything he does, he kind of has to do to get that look right. Yeah, and I, I think he ends up a very playably poseable toy afterwards. Like I I've never felt like for such a big complicated toy when he's in robot mode. Like he, to me, feels like just like pretty darn solid. Like the only real bummer are those arm panels. Uh, but and, and you know if you have his swords folded away and then there's versions of the toy where you don't have to worry about that um, there's movie 4 toys I would l- really like to talk about but I don't know if like they they are as impressive and standalone as that leader prime like I like evasion optimus a whole lot I would I would almost yeah. start like but but posability wise evasion optimus is like you know he, he's He's real good, but he's he's not like I think I think that's the toy line where the movie toys the, no matter how much money the movies were bringing in, that's where the new budget hit it the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so, and like I, I kind of feel like that's unfair to com- to like compare it in the same category as like Revenge of the Fallen. Yeah. I guess I guess if we're just talking aesthetics, like I I just I feel like that leader prime toy is like the defining toy of the live action movies or was for a long time. And like the most defining toy other than him right now that I'm seeing is like the enhanced knockoff of evasion prime. <laughs> um, Aaron, do you have any movie toys that really spring to mind after the first line that, that spoke to you? Not really. That was a real blur. All those movie toys. Yeah. Like I, I kind of want to just give it to to movie two leader Optimus for everything that you know and his various upgraded sub editions because he kind of just he's the king of the movie toys in many ways. Um, I sort of want to leave it at that unless you guys want to really pull for anybody else. Uh, that- if we, if we were like I I I would put movie four in its own little category and there like that begins and ends at scorn. Yeah. 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 
Scorn is kind of majestic. Scorn is a toy that everyone should have. That's the way I would put Scorn. Yeah. Um, well, what about Prime? Because that's the next one on this bullet pointed list. So uh, I, I, I would assume Prime covers every iteration of Prime. And I would say let's include R.I.D., except that I don't think any of them pose as well as a Prime toy. So it's sort of a begun and ended conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to think of like what, what a, a Prime toy that, that represents it the strongest would be. And it's tricky because a lot of them were like good. But like I, I can't think of one that made me go like, oh, yes, you know, as far as the, the, the posing of it. Right. Um, mm. Like an easy place to look is first edition because those toys all had a slightly higher budget. But then they end up like strongly posable. Like, I guess that actually that bulkhead was real, real strong. Like he pulled off a lot of what the animated one pulled off. And as far as a posable bulky toy. But I don't know if he's like. Yeah, I think that one's more defined by the transformation being kind of magical. Yeah, that's that's a transformation toy. Mm, first and foremost. Uh, yeah, if we're talking first edition, I lean more probably to Starscream. Yeah, yeah. Like I, 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 I always wanted to like Cliff Jumper more, but I think if we're just talking posing, like Starscream is like just. I think the fact that Starscream has posability specifically for like the character of the toy puts him ahead of cliff jumper yeah yeah and cliff jumper doesn't have like a ton of cliff jumper poses he just kind of has a lot of variations on i'm mad and about to punch something right but starscream can bow he can pose like he can bow and he can be cross-armed or he can be like leering uh he can do the mr burns thing yeah yeah and i i don't think any any toy post first edition really approached the same zenith that, that starscream toy approached I'll, yeah, I, I kind of want to give it to that Starscream. Uh, Aaron, what do you think? Soundwave? Soundwave, I think, was odd in his posability. Yeah, if we're going to talk posability, that's actually where I felt Soundwave, like, he had little victories, but yeah. I was he, left he had wanting. some He had some poses. Yeah, his, his legs were trying so hard. Yeah. But... I don't think he pulls it off. Like he's able to do all the Soundwave poses, but Soundwave didn't have as many poses. Right. Like I don't feel like I could say as a posing toy I would put him above that Starscream. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's he's worth a mention. And I also want to throw out like a lot of the more forgettable toys, like uh, the Rumble Frenzy toy, uh, is super fun. Uh, the Viacons, like. If we're going to say a defining toy for Prime in general, I think the second Deluxe Viacon, like, and a lion. What's a toy that people bought, like, literally 10s to 20s of? Um, but yeah, the, the next part of this, I think, is, is interesting in how it splits things. This splits, this splits Neo Classics a bit. Uh, so first you've got the 06 Classics and then the uh, Transformers Universe Classics. So this is ignoring Generations and Reveal the Shield, which is a separate thing. So in like the first half of Classics, um, and if we're going to talk posability there, does anyone do it as hardcore as Mirage did? No. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Mirage is like the first and last answer to that. Like, there are other toys that I think were better than Mirage as toys, but as far as posing, like Mirage was ridiculous when he came out. Like, that was like... 
that was that one of those is this going to be the norm kind of moments and then everyone was sort of sad when we saw oh he's going to be a standout he's not the norm um i really can't think of anyone that hit it like as ridiculously hard as mirage did so i kind of want to just give him that one like i don't think there was anyone in in uh universe that that did it that hard either like there were toys that were posable but like like mirage was insane he had like double jointed everything mm -hmm. i don't think anyone hit it that hard but let's go over to generations and reveal the shield uh, like the second half of what you could call classics. There's some strong-ass toys in there, too. Uh, I'm not quite sure where I would begin uh, in that realm. Like, there are some real, there's some real hardcore ones, like uh, Scourge, for instance. Um, for for everything, like, to, to take a guy who could be, as a toy, waylaid by having a cape... And, like, making the cape a, tr a thing that could be a cape or bat wings and making that, like, part of his posing identity. Or, uh, am I over... Like, okay, so my, my... Right off the top of my head, I think... I think Reveal the Shield Lockdown might be the strongest, most posable thing from that era. But I don't know if that was just through sheer attrition. Um, oh, Second Lockdown was in the movie line, right? Well, he was, re he was Reveal yeah. the Shield, wasn't he? I thought he was movie. He's movie. Reveal the shield is he like... He was Revenge of the Fallen. Oh! Okay. I always... For some reason, I always think he's Reveal the Shield. All right. Never mind. Never mind. Well, okay. Reveal the shield, Axer. <laughs> nah. No. Let me see if that was actually Hunt for the Decepticons. Hang on. Oh, God damn it. I forgot about that. <laughs> to be fair, that, that era, like the yellow package era gets really weird because that's, that's where we had... Uh, like cup and jazz were obviously classic style in a move in like in opposite lines. And that's, that's the era that ruined that dumb acronym too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not upset about that really. Nope. Uh, what, what line is that wheeljack in again? <clears throat> what about tracks? <clears throat> tracks might not be an Autobot. You won't know until you rub the shield. Uh, or look at the back of the box. Is that when we start talking about this, I start getting real distracted by toys that were more than just their articulation. And I'm trying to remember. I, I feel like we get to a point where the articulation's pretty much like all around decent, and it's like same way as like trying to peg one out of Beast Wars. Right. Yeah. Starting to muddle a little bit because now it's a standard. Because a lot of these toys were, there were ones that I was like, when we did the staff picks list, and I was like, Orion Pax, toy of the year for me. Like, that's not because of his articulation, per se. It was the combination of a lot of factors. Yeah. Like, in my head, when we get to that, well, we're not, we're, well, I'll, I'll put that one aside, because we haven't hit actual generations yet. Well, this is, this is what? this list is combining generations and reveal the shield into, like, one item. Ouch. Yeah. God's. My brain but, can't handle this. But not Combiner but, Wars. That's the last one. Oh, no. One. Okay. <laughs> like, somewhere in my head, like, out of all those toys, I still love picking up Warpath the most. But I'm not sure I would say his articulation is the standout to him. His articulation is solid, It's but it's not right, line-defining. Like, I mean, but that definitely gets into a place where articulation is a standard. So trying to say best of is difficult because yeah. 
You're you're not talking uh uh you know looking at an eight versus a three. You're looking at an eight point four against an eight point six. Yeah, and you're, and you're speaking right. to a podcast hosted by somebody who hates numerical scores. Right. So this becomes really yeah. difficult. <laughs> yeah. This is the this is the era where it falls down to personal preference. You know. Yeah, and, and you know, whereas like, do you prefer like an ab crunch or an ankle tilt more? And and there's a lot more to talk about in this era about like everyone has joints. Who has emotive joints? Um, who has joints and like are, that is part of their whole package? Because like this era to me was a lot more about bang for your buck. Like who who just feels like on every front something is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's toys like Springer, for instance. Uh, where like something's happening ever. Orion packs truck mode. Great. Robot mode. Great. Transformation. Great. This is like one of the first toys after the, the huge dip of 2012. And it's like repping hard after that. And it's like that toy is like a 2013 defining transformer to me. But like, I don't know if he's the most posable necessarily. And I, I, I think this is where I would really need to be sitting down and like, I would need to spend like a week and a half just messing with the toys and going like, all right, who's really speaking to me here? And I and I I just haven't I can't just, just that flow charts right. and like okay with this over that one get into a giant bomb game game of the year list type of uh, arguments with yourself yeah and like that kind of thing I think would be really fun to do in the right environment like you know just sitting down and like really having at it mm-hmm. but I think to do that with something as tactile as a Transformers toy we'd have to be sitting down. With all these toys sitting right. around us and sussing it out, um, just hitting each other with it. Look at how look at how this bands whack. Yeah, like like given the fact that you know at least two of us are using Google Image Search for a major- and, and personal memory for a majority uh-huh. of our 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 knowledge to call from. Like there's there's a definite problem with with you know how far we can really take this. <laughs> Uh, I'm, so I'm just gonna, I'm doing a quick a quick really dumb Google image search to see what comes up when one searches for things like this. Uh, but yeah, it's real tricky. Like like you know in this in this current era, there are there are, like this is like um yeah when we were talking about Beast Wars, it's less about the standouts and more about the disappointments in this era. Mm-hmm. You know like who didn't bring it when everyone else did. So I am not sure. Like, how did we cop out with Beast Wars? We said Air Attack Primal, didn't we? Or Beast Era. Yeah. Yeah. How can we cop out with this one? We basically said the last toy in the era that technically wasn't in the era. <laughs> okay, who who's the last one before Combiner Wars here? Uh, you know, Brainstorm has ankle tilts. <laughs> <laughs> and double-jointed elbows. Two sets of robots to have articulation. He's got, yeah, he's, how he's, many other tiny, tiny little robot have articulation his head has technically four to five points of articulation yeah so i i guess it would be brainstorm then (laughs) with the huge caveat of if you disagree with us we probably agree with you in the long run (laughs) uh but yeah i i really have trouble like just thinking off the top of my head about who i have trouble thinking about who stuck out posability wise over who stuck out you know on the whole as a total package. Yeah. Shall we uh, move on to the last one? Uh-huh. I think the last one's pretty easy. Who's the most posable Combiner Wars toy? Now, individual uh, or together? Together, I, 
I, I don't think that <sighs> conversation really has much of a, an, an ending. Because it's no. everyone has the same number of joints, but who is able to stay standing and look normal the easiest? So not Menasaur. No. And I love Menasaur, but you have to do some work on him. And I don't know if that counts once you've done work on him. All right. I'm thinking individual. And that to me, that makes me say I'm thinking Rook. Uh, Rook is really, really solid. Because he's, he's everything that the other limb robots have, plus ankle tilts to finish it off. And he looks good whenever he's in any pose that I put him in. So aesthetically, I don't feel he suffers for it on a posing level. Of course, by proxy, this would also include Swindle and Hound. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Those are all fun toys. But do you think anyone in Combiner Wars brings it harder? I don't think any of the leader toys on a posability level bring it harder. Because they all have this thing where they don't have enough hip ratchet clicks. Right. And I love Hotspot and Onslaught. But as posable as they are, I feel like they run into small limitations here and there compared to Rook. As standalone toys. I would I would say Rook, unless you guys can make me a better case for someone. Yeah, I've, I've got the Hound here in hand, and I don't know if there's an argument against it. Yeah. Like, I would say there's definitely a longer discussion to have about the Rook-Hound-Swindle toy versus the Hotspot-Onslaught toy. Because I think either of those could end up through a longer discussion being considered the most posable. But I think, like... If we're going to keep this conversation sane and within the realm of we kind of have about half an hour left, I would give it to to the Rooks and company. Mm-hmm. So if we are able to say that that's OK, then hopefully uh, the Helixian that answered uh, in some way, at least uh, your query. I hope that gave you some info uh, to work with for what it is you're working on. Um I'm going to write this in. I'm still writing a topic list as we go, so I actually have something to paste up after we're done. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's three listener questions. I was hoping to do one more, but we have some what we gots to talk about, and we got to close up in about half an hour. So uh, we'll do some more next time, uh, is what I'll say. Um, what do you guys think? Should we do one more, or should we just do what we got? Uh, let's do what we got if we only have a half hour and i've got plenty of stuff to even just bullet point through yeah yeah all right let's do it aaron let's talk about yours because i'm just gonna react this week uh okay what did you get because also i think most of what i would talk about is probably related what'd you get aaron uh if we're going to talk on topic i got the sky rain wave of combiner limbs i got that a while ago um trail breaker I think was kind of the surprise to me with his different hand. Oh, you didn't know about that? I, I, it's the classic. I, I did, but it never really like clicked until it was in my hands. Yeah, because that's like the best surprise in a long that, time. And his hand foot gun with the like two finger thing because oh, that was that was new too, right? I th- yeah, I thought that's what you were talking yeah. about. Was the hand no? I was gun. saying his his gun hand. Oh yeah, that's also great because that's a, that's five millimeter compatible. Right. So you can give him his hand foot gun as a giant claw. Right. Beautiful. But uh yeah, I think uh out of that wave the quick impressions um 
Trailbreaker, his couple of different things are cool. Hound was actually at uh, Nurse Midnight. I was at Nurse Midnight's over this weekend, and he saw something in that Hound's gun has two knobs on the back of it that you can push into the, like, where the pen hinge is yep. for the top of it. And he's like, had anybody seen that before? And I'm like, I don't know. I've been, like, out of it for the last three weeks, but this is really cool. And I put it up on Twitter, and I had a whole bunch of people like, ah, oh, it's plagiarism. This has been done before. It's like, well, well it was new it's to It's engineered us. into the toy. The thing it's clicking into is dedicated for that. Right. Like little... Well, that's at first when I looked at it, I thought it was just like residual because you have to fire that pin all the way through and the pin only sits in the middle. Yeah. And so then the long hole through was just like what had to happen. But then it was like, no, there's actually there's grooves. grooves cut in there in order to let it set. And, uh, and the first time putting it in and taking it out was very tight and difficult and scary. Yeah. But then times two through five now have been a whole lot easier. What I understand is cause I, so when I was messing with Ian Reed's swindle, uh, I did that with his swindle. And I was like, Hey, that's cool. I didn't know you could do that. And when I put a picture up, I got some replies saying, Hey, swindles doesn't have those nubs on his gun. How did you do that? And so I pieced together that swindle either was a run. It was either a running change or there are just some defective ones out there where his gun doesn't have sufficient nubs to pull it off. What I, but, everything else I've seen is running change. Okay. Okay, that makes more sense. Because, yeah, some swindles can't do it, but some can, clearly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a super cool touch to, like, set that remold apart from Rook enormously. Like, it's already a Jeep rather than a tank. But, right. like, that does tons to, like, set the robot mode apart. But um, the only other big impression, I, I mean, Smokescreen's kind of an also-ran. Smokescreen and Wheeljack are the, oh, God, thank goodness that we all know repro labels exists now toys. Right, Wheeljack really needs to have his fake windows black, and I think extending his uh, paint stripes down to the toes, Mm -hmm. both of those things would go a very long way to break up just that sea of white. So I've seen uh, a lot of people paint his fake windows black and paint his fists and gloves black, and it does tons for that toy. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and so uh, Repro Labels has already been hinting at their sticker sheets for all four of those limbs. And they put mm-hmm. up a picture of the Wheeljack vehicle mode. And I'm like, holy crap, you like went masterpiece crazy on this. If that like unless I misunderstood and that was someone else's. But like I'm like I'm kind of psyched for Repro Labels on that wave because like that that wave is so weird. But it's like got this action master chic that I sort of dig in the robot right. modes. Like, Yeah. <laughs> But uh, the other thing I managed to pick up was uh, Fracture, the Deluxe Fracture. Finally friggin' saw it. Oh, so... And it was at a Toys R Us that, that Stan was, or no, Walmart, that Stan was like, oh, there's never anything here. And I walked up, I'm like, oh, Fracture, so th- hello, the thing happened, first time like, I've seen you. The thing happened when I visited him, and he's like, oh, we never find anything. And then I found, like, one yeah. blade, like, before she was really saturated. Yeah. So what I've decided is I need to go toy hunting with Stan more often in places where he thinks there's absolutely nothing. Yes. That's a because very sound stuff. approach. Yeah. But um, that's it for me for Transformers. Oh, did you get Skylinks as well? No, I did not get Skylinks. Oh, no, I I say that's it for Transformers. I look over Masterpiece Tracks. That was one of the things I was going to talk about last time that we didn't have a what we got. Oh, yeah. How did, how did, I, I saw you had some trouble with his, uh, what do you call them on the sides? His, mirrors. His, his mirrors, yeah, they're back in a box. I managed to find, so I... I pulled two of them off the sprue and I put it on there and I messed around with a little bit and I transformed them and then realized that one of them had gone missing already. I was like, oh, okay, let's not move. Let's check everything. Let's look around. All right. I found it four foot away on the floor. 
where at some point in the transformation, apparently it had sproined itself yeah. quite a ways away. And I was like, okay, well, these are just going to go in the box. I recall that I had to do a little bit of work to get them to fully seat in because mm-hmm. the socket doesn't quite play nice on that toy. And it's, yeah, it's kind of a bummer because you, you don't want to have to think about that with Masterpiece Transformers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a masterpiece. Um, the biggest issue I've had is his... Um, he's got a super, like, wobbly knee. His left knee it has the detent clicks, but in between those clicks, it doesn't seem like it stays. I've heard of more than one instance of that being a problem on that right. toy. That's when I brought that up. Um, it stands. It's like, yeah, that seems to be everybody's yeah. play. And that, that and then, like, his wing rocket pod things seem like they don't like playing well they are like to to go back to something we we mentioned earlier they are a thing that feel borderline over engineered yeah considering what they're supposed to do the number of ways they swivel is like confusing right because to pull them out it's there are like four actions you have to do yeah to keep them from hitting each other, running into other things, when it seems like you could just kind of lift it up and pivot it over, but no, instead you have to lift it up, pivot it over, pull this thing out, move this part out of the way, flip this around, and it does great. Move it, it does and great for the back. aesthetics, but I'm like, it, I'm, I would have, I would have been cool with maybe less accurate aesthetics if it meant the missiles just went blip. And yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and he looks good even on the flight stand, uh, which I'm glad is something that's included. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that's something that for for future releases, if there's ever another thing that specifically has flying as an integral part of it, comes around because it's a good flight little flight stand. I don't think the I don't think I've seen anyone say that they they've gotten their single release clear ones yet, but I know that pre order went up. Yeah, I didn't actually pre order any because I was like, that's the thing I buy at a convention. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hopefully that is a readily available piece. Uh, for folks to mess with, because like, yeah, it's it's helpful. Or you can just get Tamashi stages, I suppose. But the tracks version, I think, is a little bit nicer. But yeah, that's that's it for me for Transformers. All right, uh, TJ, did you Transformer up at all this week? Uh, I did a little bit, yes. Alrighty. Uh, so only a couple things since I, I'm just I'm sitting here waiting for Titans return to come in or I'm waiting for some place to get both fracture and skylinks at the same time yeah doesn't doesn't seem for some reason those two do not seem to be uh mutually inclusive <laughs> they had any a, store I've checked they had a disagreement is what happened okay <laughs> no um so I have this little Q Transformers Ultra Magnus I am like two steps away from buying that because I've just realized that's the only one I don't have of the most recent mass release. <laughs> so I think I got a bad introduction to the line by making Sideswipe my first one. Okay. Sideswipe looked really photogenic and then getting him in hand, he just, I don't know, just something about him felt really off to me. Yeah, the car ones are a real mixed bag and it's hard. You have to really look up who's a retool of who. Because, uh, like, I got the Decepticon trio, like, Soundwave, Megatron, Shockwave. Mm-hmm. And, like, some of those guys, like, among those three, I forgot who, but, like, like some of them, some of the car ones really are strong as hell. And some of them are like, oh, your backpack just ends up there. Okay. <laughs> Which is weird, since they're all the same engineering. You wouldn't think that would be possible. 
yeah there's just it's it's minor details and 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 like i think it, it all if you trace them back there's like three or four base designs and some of them are real good at hiding the backpack and for whatever reason some of them aren't uh, out of the cars anyway um but magnus is based on the uh the tractor trailer truck right uh yeah yeah how you feel about him uh he hits me way better than sideswipe does like he he's been a he has been a fixture on my desk for weeks now and i've probably transformed him a couple dozen times at least mm. like just some, something about it i don't know why because it does follow a lot of the same engineering steps but i i just really like how this guy goes to and from vehicle mode yeah like it's it's this very simple very satisfying just pick up and give my hand something to do type thing how are his so is he does he come with sculpted bent elbows uh yeah okay those are, yeah it was sculpted in so i'm not gonna talk trash on him because i've not messed with him i have i have the tractor trailer nemesis prime uh if you like that toy you're going to love ironhide and ratchet yeah i think ironhide's on my two get list now ironhide is in my opinion the best q transformer uh, he's the first one to step it up. Uh, he and he step. He tries basically. The I feel the tractor trailer tries to do a, a, a change up from the cars, and I feel like it falters in a few places uh, compared to some of the better cars. I feel like Ironhide does almost the exact same thing, but every like decision that went badly, he takes the right decision, and he ends up as a like ridiculously good Q transformer. Mm. Like like I would supremely recommend him. I'm really bummed out. That it looks like that design is just going to be Ironhide and Ratchet. Like, I'm like, who else can you make this into? Because, like, this is a really good, like, this is a year two Q-Transformer. Like, this is what makes me think that that line is now two years old. I, I can imagine, like, Skids and maybe Cup. I would, yeah, I'd love to see a Cup out of this. Like, it's it's just, I won't, I don't want to spoil too much of it for you. Like, you should just... <laughs> ne- I don't ne- want to, I don't want to spoil this $5 Transformer for you. Yeah, if I start describing it, then it's like, at the end of the day, huh. it's also a $5 Transformer. And there's, like... <laughs> if, yeah. I, if i tell you how he transforms i've taken three dollars of the value off so <laughs> i'll leave it alone but like if you like magnus i think you're gonna love ironhide ratchet i i do like how like even at this little size magnus does work in like an auto head flip reveal yeah that's uh, a neat little trick for such a tiny thing that's actually so that's the one bummer about ironhide i'm gonna just confirm this though i believe that ironhide loses the auto head reveal hmm but let me double check because he does something else that's super cool. Uh, but yeah, I think you have to manually flip his head around. Skip. Yeah, skip. Ankle tilts. Nope. <laughs> Actually, Ironhide has ankle tilts. So you can't skip him. <laughs> Proven. Uh, that's great. I think I'm probably going to end up getting that Magnus because I, I got it, like all the ones uh, in, in that wave, like the, you know, the year two where they're in individual boxes now. I either mm-hmm. have ordered them or I already own their first release. So it's like, all right, well, now I've gone down this road and they're $5. So I don't have any excuse except for the excuse of just making my own decisions. But why would I do that? <laughs> uh, anything else Transformers wise on your end? Um, slight step up from there. Masterpiece Ironhide. That's a step up. That, that is a step up. That's a, that's a step up. That's, I would even say it's a step up from tracks. Uh, yeah. Ooh. I, I got to fiddle with one, yes. So, Aaron, do you do you agree now? Hand feel? Do you agree? Yes. It, it It's like it's all, like, got a coat of automotive paint. Yeah, hand feel. Type of feel, yeah. 
Uh, TJ, would you agree? Hand feel on that pillar? Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah. Holy crap. Have you transformed <laughs> him back into a van yet? Yes. Is it... So on yours, does it do the thing mine does, where even if I don't have all the tabs in place, when I pull the back down, like they all sort of just massage themselves into place? <laughs> um, I don't know if I had that issue with it. No, no, like, like it's it's like it's like the opposite of what would be the issue is like I line up most of the tabs, right? But mm -hmm. and, but you know some of them will jostle out of place here and there. When I pull that back piece down to finish the transformation to van mode, anything that's a little bit out of place like sucks into place. Like it's it's incredible. Okay, okay. Now I have to double check that. Now the next time I transform him back, is this something I found on him? Like he, his parts alignments are so well done that they like just seat themselves if they're close enough. It's kind of cool. Yeah, because I do really like transforming that toy. Mm-hmm. Because, oh my god. Okay, so I've said this before. Like when I'm transforming a masterpiece toy, I'm looking for the trick. I'm looking for something that he does that. I couldn't find on yours just standard retail release transformer that really sets it apart and makes me go, okay, that's like super clever. Like for me, when I first transformed this toy, I'm following the instructions. I'm just kind of, kind of blindly going boop, 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 boop. And by the time I get his chest transformed, his robot looking, I look down the legs and I go, I don't know where you came from. Yeah. Cause <laughs> there's nothing left. He's, he is a series of tricks. Like, he starts off with like, oh, okay, I guess that's going to be where your friggin' head was this whole time. And then, yeah, his legs turn inside out. and <laughs> Like, the 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 legs in the, are handling the vehicle modes, like, like uh, so, yeah, it's like a bunch of panel fo folding inside out to get from, like, detailed van to smooth robot leg. But it does it so well. Yeah. Like. Everything about that just like it's everything is cut perfect, everything aligns perfect. It's just mm. it's like this it's like one of those things where it's like, oh right, this is why masterpiece toys happen. You know, for better or for worse, you get these moments like this of like these perfectly cut alignments and like friggin' especially after like, you know, um same designer of uh of MP9 Rodimus, right? Mm -hmm. MP9 Rodimus was demanding the same things and they weren't able to do it back then. Like that had to be such a moment for Kobayashi where it's like, oh, wow, you guys can actually pull off what I want this time. <laughs> like, can you imagine that Ironhide, that Ironhide toy happening like, you know, four years ago or something? Probably not. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's just it's such a good way of just handling all of the bulk on this toy. You know, it. I I have to go back to like I I have to go back to my MP primes to really get one that I feel does the best job of translating the toy based vehicle to a cartoon based robot. Mm -hmm. Like everything on Ironhide just comes out that super blocky smooth, you know, animation aesthetic. You know, like. I I really have to struggle to find like the nitpicks to the toy and just kind of play reviewer and balance it in my head. Like I kind of wish this like the sides of his torso bulked out a little bit. Yeah, like uh -huh. those, those kidney blocks. Yeah, would be really it, nice. Yeah, because that's the only part where it really doesn't fit the animation model, and it's kind of weird for me. Like the front of it has goes like inward on the top and outward on the bottom, and then everything behind it is the opposite. Hmm. So that's that's the only part that kind of gets me about the toy. Everything else is just 
so spot on for me. A lot of that toy has, in, in trying to figure out what it is that I feel about is the robot mode in, in all directions, has taught me that Ironhide's cartoon model was garbage. Like, that <laughs> cartoon model makes no frigging sense. Well, <laughs> of course not, because it was... They just made it up. Yeah, like it has absolutely the, no basis in the toy. I, garbage is a strong word, but like uh, the the conversation this comes from is just the that that was when I realized that like screenshot comparisons and 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 how close is this to the cartoon model? It's like I don't know how close it is. Is this to this piece of play doh? What if I squish the play doh? Is it still close to it? <laughs> I, maybe. <laughs> like like there's I think you know and some as someone who really participated in that level of dissection like. I feel so misguided like that, that, you know, that I was really like tunnel visioning and not looking at the bigger picture, which is the G1 cartoon is not is not beholden to its model sheets. It just references them, you know, uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, that that Ironhide toy is also real fun to transform. Yeah, it, it's a really fun transformation. Of course, the accessory count is insane. Yeah, which that was really that was really fun to play with and just goof around. Um, I, I really want to say this is one of those toys where a long time of disappointment in Ironhide's kind of built up and makes me more ecstatic for this version than I normally would be. Oh yeah, you're not alone. Like, like there are a lot of people who just, like, this is the first Ironhide toy to ever feel, uh, successful to them. Yeah, because I'm, like, screaming finally to the heavens because i don't know why you couldn't take the most blocky vehicle of all time and make the most blocky transformer model of all time you know the closest we got before this was like universe 2 yeah yeah i still like i just messed with that toy two days ago I, i still like that toy i've had so many issues with that toy it's it's the ugliest dumpiest looking robot but it like works for him was I'm gonna go find that tweet I made. I I I tweeted something I was real proud of. It's something like he looks like a really upset, sad, and angry old man who had to update his <laughs> wardrobe for the 21st century, and none of it fits. But it's also kind of perfect for Ironhide. I don't know. <laughs> the grumpy old man that just wants his cardigan back. Yeah, and it's like he's being forced to dress up in like tight jeans and you know a, a cardigan and like a. Well, you know, not a, not a cool cardigan, but like, you know, a, a twee cardigan. Yeah. He's got one of those hats on. He's He's got an e-cig in his lips. And he's just like, I don't even know what, what what's an electronic cigarette. Will this electrocute me? Yeah. He's got like a twirly mustache and he's like, I want to shave. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the first, I think it's the first Ironhide toy in a long, like basically ever where you don't have someone like me making up excuses for it to explain yeah. why I like it. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, that's the original disappointment, right? Yeah. It's like anyone who liked Ironhide in the G1 cartoon, like, this is how long you waited to get one that looks like the cartoon. Like, even the G1 where it's supposed to be based on. Like, even the loosest, like, okay, so, yeah, G1 and the cartoon, it took a lot of liberties. Yeah. To say the least. And every single time someone made an add-on kit for the G1 toy to give it a real head and all this other stuff, like, it looked... It looked like you had to be squinting at it at best, because uh-huh. like even if it worked for a torso, you'd have to squint at the legs and you'd have to really ignore the arms. And then like it would kind of work, but, but yeah. I mean, like on any other G1 toy, especially for that age, you could look at the toy and go, OK, yeah, that's the character. Yeah. 
Like, like, okay, maybe there's some extreme examples, you know, like Skyfire, Jetfire. Okay, but they, they still look like each other. Still yeah. look like each other. Iron Eyed, no. Yeah, absolutely not. Iron, like, that's Iron what, Hide and Ratchet. Three quarters of their alt mode is going to be taken off and put over here, and to make yeah. a robot out of the rest will be great. Yeah, so you know, like the biggest, thickest Autobot in the field. Yeah, he's the scrawny little thing, and if you try to imagine like that. What what his chest is in the show, he's gonna look headless. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that masterpiece toy, like especially for all the trials and tribulations of of, of all of the, f the photography and the now I I believe legitimately terrible photography it re it received, uh in in its pre release like yeah man that thing turned out so much better. It, it honestly that kind of gives me a little bit hope for the Rodimus coming out now. Uh yeah I um I I just straight up I ship mine today i was yeah. like all right let's do this like i watched half of a video of one of those like stolen chinese ones that made it like i'm calling them that because i think that's what they are um but like stolen vietnamese yeah like like yeah. like three to five semi-complete um you know mid-production rodimuses went out into the wild all of a sudden um and there, there are like comparisons even of that like showing like oh yeah the one that, that everyone was reviewing like the blue is barely blue tinted and now it's very blue tinted in, in the production piece uh just like half of a video about it i was hearing the joints and i saw i, I read a text report where i think it was uh pia was like you know everything feels really good when it's moving and i'm like that sounds like you're describing everything that made me pleased about ironhide so let's just do this i'm gonna stop looking at this i'm going to order this toy let's give it a try i'm gonna take another blind swing at a masterpiece rodimus I hope it goes okay. I hope it doesn't go badly. <laughs> um, I'm so happy that like we have a nice positive tone talking about masterpiece after all that worry. Yeah, I want to say I feel silly about it, but I don't. I feel it was legitimate. <laughs> but yeah, well, we... to that point, like masterpiece toys were very photogenic. You know, mm -hmm. we had a lot of we had a long run there where they were just extremely pretty to look at in pictures. And then for some reason, starting with Ironhide, it's just completely fell off the wagon. I don't know how. Yeah. And Rodham is almost like both of them. That stupid, like semi profile waist twisted pose that is the worst angle to look at the toy. Like one could argue, of course. I mean, I saw the argument. I like. The argument of it's honesty, they're showing the toy for better or for worse. I'm like, well, maybe, but, like, why aren't they showing the good angles, too? <laughs> like, there are there are yeah. all these angles on, on Ironhide that we didn't see till the in-hand reports started coming in. And I'm like, this is not very good if, like, we're all doing better than, you know, the e-hobby photographers. Yeah, I don't think you could say for better or worse when they're showing for worse. Yeah. Like, man, like, that... That we're going to twist the waist like 160 degrees, twist the head back so he's looking forward, then raise one arm and lean the other one back. It's like, that just looks stupid. <laughs> it shows off the worst part of the toy. Okay, well, we got that out of the way. <laughs> and then if it's better in person, I guess that's that's an even nicer surprise. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad yeah. you're enjoying it. That's the trick. It's psychological is to get the first reviews to be better. <laughs> that's where I was like, at the end of the day, that whole theory, I was like, that's a good theory, but they're trying to sell it. So honesty is not all that important compared to like <laughs> making it look saleable. And obviously with the discussion about Ironhide, like those photos were doing damage 
Uh, anything else on your plate, or was that like your low to high? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much the range. All uh, right, I'm just um, sitting here. You give me headmasters now. I'm ready. Aaron, are you are you feeling like you have an iron hide in your future, or are you thinking you I might do. wait till? Oh, okay. I was gonna say, are you are you gonna wait for Ratchet, or are you just gonna freaking do it? I think it'll be Ironhide. All right. Um, you want that candy red? Yeah, that, that candy red did look like holy red crap! Red. That candy red finish. Yeah. <laughs> like people were talking about it, and I was like, oh, this kid probably not nothing. I took the toy out of the box, and I was like, okay, it was something. Like, I was all, like, being cynical about that for days. I got mine. I was like, okay, well, that's what cynicism gets me. It's looking like a dummy, I guess. <laughs> um, Going off topic, Aaron, anything on your end? Oh, um, I'll, I'll just kind of quick line some of the boring stuff. I uh, got myself a new nice monitor. Uh, it was just before coming to Connecticut. Thought, hey, this uh, screen is going to be my main form of media consumption for the next two or three months and went to Best Buy and they had a 24 inch, um, very nice monitor for like half off boop as, uh, so that was, our, that was, that was a quick, like, I'm going to go and check it out. And then I'm like, Oh, Hey, that looks like a good deal, but I'll, I'll check it online. Oh, that's a, that's better than Amazon prices. That's better than this prices. That's better than that prices. Oh, do they have two? No, only one. Damn. Okay. I, I love it when that stuff just lines up perfectly. It's like, I need a new big piece of tech. Well, we have one half off. Thank you. Right. <laughs> um, so that was again, the other thing, uh, tech wise that I got was I got myself a Fitbit charge. Um, because Ooh. I'm doing a whole lot of walking and I thought, Hey, it'd be nice to track this. And then realized I'm doing generally 10,000 steps a day when I'm at work. And then like 2000 steps a day on the weekend. Blam. So you, you, you kind of track that and you can see my weekend like, uh, um, Oh, what was I calling it? Um, Oh crud. There was. Anyway, you can see that I'm much lazier on the weekend. It was my refusal to work or something like that. I forget it was. Yeah. It was a joke in the moment that was completely lost. Um, but yeah, uh, what else have I gotten? Um, so for Lego, I got the um, Pose X-Wing, mm-hmm. the black and orange X-Wing, uh, like my second day here. Uh, because I needed just like the moving meditation, I think is is kind of what it is of of assembling Lego. And then I also found that the Toys R Us that's nearby here they had the Lego Ideas birds set. I saw you building that on Twitter, and I just had assumed you'd already done that. But then I was like, no, that seems I'd... like the perfect set to start a new location. <clears throat> right. That was well. That was during the time when uh, laid off and Andy Rubot cancer and the like. And I was like, okay, I got to start. Like really looking at what I get and not getting th- things that I don't need. And so I'd kind of written off the bird set altogether. Yeah. And they had like three of them there. And I was like, ooh, okay, that first per diem check that I get that has all the extra <laughs> money on it, that'll be for that. And then the first per diem check, and I came and I went back and they only had one. They'd managed to sell two of them in like four days. So it was like, okay, that was – that was a good get. I don't know if that was like a restock of this thing or if it was like a found case, but hey, whatever. It worked out well. Nice. Um, also, Lego wise, while out with Stan, we went to um, like an antique mall type place mm-hmm. where it's you you rent the booth 
and then whatever you put in the booth is your stuff and it's all one central thing and they had a Legoland uh what is it it's the front gate or something that is a Legoland theme park exclusive that normally sells for like 20 bucks and I got it for 13 bucks and it nice. goes on eBay for like 40 to 50 because you can only get it at like Legoland California, Legoland Florida and Legoland like Dover England or something. So, but the the box was smushed and that's actually still out in the car. I probably should have brought that in rather than leave it out there, but eh. that's all right. It's getting ripe. Yeah, it's maturing. Yeah. Um other toy wise stuff that I've gotten. Um so I did buy the um Thunder Megazord. Yeah, I for uh, 200. I'm you know what? I, I I see how I see many ways that if you just forget about the price and just look at the toy, it's like the, it now is, I have it. it is a great toy. Yeah. It is a great maybe $120 toy. It is not a great $200 toy. So is this the case of like that Titanus where like a good half of that money is them just going like ape nuts with paint apps? Because that's the impression <sighs> I got. I mean, it's very good paint apps. It's very, I mean, there's a whole lot of value in it. Um, and this is a case where I have the old Thunder Megazord and have, you know, like all of those stickers are peeling off. And yeah, and I, I actually never did do the side by side before I left Indiana. But there's a whole lot of stuff on this that is very nice, and I, they did go just crazy with the paint apps, and they recreate every little thing on it that was in sticker form in this. But, man, there's just a point where it's like, you know, there's a line, and 200 was past it. I like that they are sticking to this, like, they chose on the fork in the road. Do we put the budget into the appearance or the engineering? And, yeah. you know, it goes both ways, but the lean is definitely the, appearance. The engineering isn't bad either. I, I watched a review. It looks real cool. Like, I, yeah. I like some of its, its tricks. It's very close to what the original one was and has improvements in place. You know, the yeah. the Red Dragon Megazord on the inside of it. Um, I kind of wish the legs weren't as bendy. And like you know, the the give the neck and the tail. I was really bend. bummed out to see that he lost the knee joint for the bendiness. Yeah, yeah. like I understand, and that, it, that's it again would... where it's like I'm looking for something that they are not focusing on, right? And I understand that, you know. <laughs> but um, and I have the white tiger Megazord that was bought for like thirty dollars, which I think is the other part that kind of makes the two hundred hurt. Because yeah. I got the white meg the the white tiger on like God get rid of it clearance at thirty dollars, and so that kind of set the level in my head of of what it should be. And uh, so I mean, because I know that that's actually a sixty dollar toy, and then looking at that sixty dollar toy versus that two hundred dollar toy, they're in line with each other. Yeah. As a $30 toy to a $200 toy, God, not so much. I have eyeballed $40 versions of that Tiger Zord, and I just keep going like, no, I'm never going to finish this. $40 wouldn't be bad if you're willing to jump at whatever the Thunder Zord ends I'm, I'm up never in gonna Canada. Pay, I'm never going to pay 200 American for Thunder Zord. Like I, yeah. and, and it sucks. I really like a lot of it, but I don't like spending all that money on that aspect when I would rather have spent it on a different aspect. 
Yeah. And I, you I, know, I'm not mad. It's just, I, I am not by any means going to tell someone, hey, go get this thing or hey, don't buy it. Yeah. But know that, man, 200 is. I can't believe sharp. they went that high. Like, yeah. especially after Titanus and Titanus on clearance and Titanus barely is around. Yeah. Like, right. To then go, like, oh, we're going to 200 on this one. Like, Yes, there are obviously there like two hundred is the price it arrived at, and mm-hmm. you know there's that's the price it arrived at. I don't think that they jacked up a price to two hundred, but I'm like, oh god, like you couldn't have dialed back a single thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I <Yeah>. guess not. <laughs> I think that like some of the two tone paint app stuff might have been. Man, I don't know though. It looks very good. It really is and, shocking to me that they produce they produced uh, the first Megazor and the Dragonzor, and they keep it around the you know the sixty to eighty range yeah. depending on complexity. And now I think the Ninja Megazord was announced in like eighty ninety. Yeah, what happened yeah. with this one? Like, because when I saw that announcement for the Ninja one, and I was like, then what's this one? Like, <laughs> is the Ninja one going to come out like half painted or what? Like, I don't get it. Smaller size, maybe. Is, okay, maybe. is the Thunder Megazord any bigger than the others, or because that was a big th- like? I remember the original was more expensive because it was huge compared to the other Megazords. Yeah. Well, the original one came out in two parts too. Yeah, Dragon Zord, and because then you got the Dragon Zord, and then the the yeah the attack team with their sled thing, which this one comes with the weird sled thing too. Yeah, and I don't know, maybe that's what they should have done again. I, just to just to like soften the blow because I, I, I want to say I want to <sighs> say maybe but you'd have a hard time today selling oh, it'd, a it'd super be a hor- expensive yeah, attack oh, yeah. team by that, itself right that attack team well, would be shelf warming uh, yeah you'd be able to maybe get play with the white tiger by itself though maybe, maybe. I, if pe- I, if people were that if if people were that aware of it though because I, it's not like. You know, little Timmy is going in and getting this. This is definitely a collector thing at two hundred. I think the or thing two one hundreds. I think you think the thing you do is. Uh, I remember uh, Ultra Act doing like the the Gridman figures, yeah, like, mm-hmm. with the super heavy armor one. Like, if you're doing it that way, you sell the Red Dragon separately, the same way you do Dragon Zord and you know a tiger, you know Mega t- and uh, White Tiger Zord, and then you like dummy in one. For the the actual Thunderzord, because it's all getting covered up anyway. Yeah, I can and see that. It's not like you're going to be out any articulation. So you dummy in a red dragon that can form around. It's like just the just the body in shape already, like a vinyl bar- or something. Yeah, barely costs anything to do, and it still looks amazing in the combined mode. Yeah. And then if you want, if you have them both, you can use them with the deluxe version of the Red Dragon Zord too. Hmm. Man, that legacy stuff, like, it's it's this weird, like, it's easy for me to spectate it, but I constantly feel like I really want to get in on it. But then, I, like, I look at it more, and I'm just like, no, this is something that's not meant for me and my tastes. Like, this is meant for someone else. But, like, it's all, I see a wall of it at a Toys R Us, and I'm just like, I, just, I feel so weird that I'm spectating this. Because this is all speaking to this very, very loud, very specific two-year nostalgia of mine. But then... I guess I should feel happy that I'm not beholden to it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Aaron, man, that's a plunge. Uh, yeah. Um, and to kind of continue that, I may have ended up buying a bunch of Tokuger stuff. Okay. 
Okay. Wow. So it, it started with um, – so Alfie watched Koryuger with me and we started watching Tokyuger before I came out here. Yeah. And I was just like futzing around Amazon for no good reason and saw Dieselo for $9. I would do that. And I was like, okay, what's wrong with this? Because, like, I mean, night, is this like the candy toy? You just get the, like, the, the Russia train part of it? Or is this something else? And I was like, well, all right. I was ordering a couple other things. And it was, I mean, it was Amazon Prime shipping anyway. But I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And then it also said, well, like, things like this. So then it had the Koryu train and the Go-On train for, like, eight bucks each. And I was like, okay, that's... None of that's expensive. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll try it. And if I get some stuff that doesn't work, it's, you know, it's like 25 bucks total or something. It's not the end of the world. So it shows up and it's just it's not the D it wasn't the whole diesel low. It was like the diesel train, but not the car carrier or the tanker. Okay. That make his legs. But it still is the whole toy. It's the real toy. It was like the individually sold where you could get the three pack or like I guess it was set up because you can like um, Tokuo, which is the main Tokuger robot for people that aren't Super Sentai. Either one of these things can go on the ends of the arms and you can have like if it's the tanker, it's kind of like boxing gloves. And if it's the car carrier, he has this giant like. He car shoots carrier. Cars. He shoots cars or something. I don't. It's it's super sentai. You don't get too involved in that. So I was like, okay, well now I have this guy that can't stand. All right. So I was just kind of poking around once I was here in Connecticut, and I brought it with me just because it's a nice thing. I mean, it you know it's, you know all of these toys are they're Bandai clunky toys. They're something to sit here and when I'm watching Netflix mess with. I was like, okay, well, I'll kind of look around and see if I can find a deal to get the other two legs because I'd like to, you know, have a robot that can stand. And uh, made the mistake of going to Mandarake. And sure enough, they had uh, at the same store, it's it's um, also the same store that had tracks. Mm-hmm. Then I got tracks, box damage. Um, there's a little bit of ripple in the corner. But um, yeah, right in it. So they had at the same store, they had, what was it? They had one of the, like, I think it was the diesel was 900 yen and the car carrier was 700 yen or something like that, where they were both just like stupid cheap. It's like, okay, so I'm going to get all of this thing that otherwise is selling for $90 for like $30, or less. Okay, I can do that. But then I got into the problem that you, you that you do with Mandarake of like, well, I want to hit 5,000 yen. Oh, Aaron. <laughs> that way I'm not getting charged. I mean, right? That's That's right. You're not getting charged 500 yen if you spend another 3,000 yen. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's 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 how you make money. You're you're beating them at their own game. So, um I found what was it? Safari Tokyo, which is the like movie repaint where it can become a lion too, and it has these extra parts, and that was like two thousand yen. Like okay, 
but I'm still not over 5,000 yen. Uh, well, we've got the, the fire truck rush at the same place, and it has, like, this cool, like, crane thing that's fire. And so, But then I was just still under 5,000 yen, and I was going through, and I was like, oh, tracks, box damage for, what was it, like, four 4,000 yen or something? I'm like, oh, okay, good. That puts it over. All right. Yeah, Dave, and then I ne- the never did the math to like five thousand. It does. Right. I, I did. I didn't do the math to like roll back other purchases. But now I have what's basically the first two uh, mecha out of Tokyo. Um, this one's just all white with accent colors rather than being bright colors of each. And I can kind of combine them and make them bigger and and wider. And since they're all trains, it's like it never really gets thicker. It just gets wider. At least with these, I think that. Yeah. Build Russia. He ends up with like a big platform thing that he stands on, but he still just ends up being the same basic, thi- uh, excuse me, thickness all the way through. This is like the best happy, terrible, but happy story. Right. It was just <laughs> one of those things that was constantly like, well, it's not that much more expensive. It's not, it's, it's not unheard it's of. There, there was a period where the Drive driver, the Common Rider Drive DX belt, was on Amazon.com for like 30 bucks for like a month and a mm-hmm. half because no one wants it, but it right. was there. Uh, right, and I, th- I think that with Amazon, it was a case of because there were like a couple of them that were right around the same price, and occasionally if, um, like depending on if things are priced by algorithm, the two algorithms will start fighting. And so like, no, I'm going to be three cents cheaper than you are. No, I'm going to be four cents cheaper than you are. And then it just like runs all the way down to the bottom. It's great. <laughs> um, so then the other thing that happened along those lines is while I was at Stan's, we got to talking about all of his random stuff, and he's like, oh, yeah, I have all of the Super Sentai stuff, and we went and looked at it, and he had the changer for this. That's like the the wrist brace thing that you slide the trains into. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Okay, he's like, yeah, I really don't care about it. And he's like, I've been trying to sell it at cons for a while. I'm like, what do you want for it? He's like, I, what do you want to pay for it? And I'm like, when we go out to dinner tonight, I'll pay for your dinner. He's like, okay, that works. It's like, Okay, so I need to get double A batteries for this. I think well, probably go to Mandarake yeah. and uh, grab yeah, some go of to Mandarake, yeah, yeah. And, you know, stack because yeah, that only makes sense. So you got you got to get it over five thousand. So go grab you know an eight thousand yen thing or something to, yeah. to pull it over that. Get the you know the Sentai Artisan uh, Tokyo artisanal batteries. No, there's a Super Sentai Artisan version of of uh, of the Tokyo, I believe. Oh, is there? Uh, oh, okay. And there's also a Super Sentai Artisan version of the Bad Guy Train. Oh, that also transforms and you know. Okay, you're leading me down a bad path. I need to start looking at Andrake now. Super Sentai Artisan is the key word. Um, well, Aaron, uh, would you mind if we move from your happy story to to one that I know is not as happy to to close out this episode? Oh, okay. Uh, well, it's not it's not like a terrible thing, but we're running real close to our deadline, and I want TJ to be able to finally tell this story. Okay, go. <laughs> so which, which story? Where your we... your fresh new hat. Oh, that. Yeah, just just lay out, you know, how how you came to get it and how it turned out. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so for the for the what we got, I'll run I'll run through it because it's not much. Um, so I got my figure art Ranma in, which oh, yeah, figure art a... girls are turning out really good now. Yeah, I keep hearing that they don't like have tiny tiny joints now. Well, I, I will say this: Rama's got like skinny, skinny arms and the little, little joints. But like skinnier arms and like my Sailor Moon, 
which was wow. already kind of pushing the limit. The difference is they started doing the Figma thing where the joint kind of sticks out of the arm. Okay. So they can be a little bit more. It looks a little ugly when the arm's straight, but when the arm's bent, everything's just a-okay. So, Sweet. So that that turned out really cool. There's you know ton of parts, ton of phases. I told a friend of mine that I got that toy, and, so, and she asked me, does it turn into the male form? I'm like... I'm pretty sure that engineering's impossible right now. There's a robot toy by Studio Half-Eye that was able to turn inside out to change from blue to red. So, you know, nothing's impossible. It's just $600. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just $600. Uh, beyond that, um, I grabbed the Nendoroid Mega Man. Is that as impressive as the Kirby? The Kirby is ludicrous. Because the Kirby looks like... Like the end of Nendoroids. Like that's okay. The Kirby uses magnets for its articulation. Yeah. So it's literally infinite points of articulation. Like they solved Nendoroids. Like the line can end now. They finished. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well. Kirby can finish. No one release any other Kirby toys because you can't top it. Yeah. Um, I will say like the Nendoroid style typically means you have to have the uh, the display base attached because. Like, for some reason, their aesthetic choice is tiny, tiny feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Mega Man. He doesn't have that problem, doesn't need the stand, so you're already doing better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of comes out looking like, uh, if you ever saw the the PSP remake, Mega Man Powered Up, where they went, like, super cartoony and yeah. big head with the design, he really looks like a toy of that Mega Man. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I like that game. I like the, I like I like Maverick Hunter X more, but I like that game. Maverick Hunter X is cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, besides that, like it's a perfectly fine toy. It still does the Nendoroid thing of we'd rather swap out parts and limbs and put in joints. Hmm. Which that's a little bit weird. It's weird on him because he gets the legs for his jumping animation. He gets the arms for his damage animation. And he it's weird, and he gets like two extra face expressions too. But I'm sitting here playing with this guy, and I look at the spare parts, and I'm like, you know, there's enough parts here. They could have just made another Mega Man. Like, yeah. I don't... <laughs> it's weird. It's, to, it's really weird to see that come out at, like, basically the same time as that Kirby. Yeah, well... Like, I understand the diff- there are inherent differences to those two characters, but, like, what? on an engineering level, it feels like, hey, we decided to change the entire scope of Nendoroids with this one toy. Also, here's Mega Man. Yeah, well, yeah, Mega Man is just pretty much like the 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 only enhancement over a typical Nendoroid is the feet are big enough for him to stand. Yeah, that's the improvement. Beyond that, he's pretty much typical of the Nendoroid style. Just that's just how they do things. I guess it's to make it look like super clean when it's on your desk or shelf. Yeah, like rather I, than have I, a bunch of exposed joints, I kind of get that. I don't want to take that away from people who are collecting Nendoroid, clearly enjoying Nendoroids. Like, yeah, like it's it, that's that is it's aesthetic. Yeah, but it's a de- it's a decent figure. Like, aside from the fact it looks like there's part count to like have a Proto Man stacked in instead of all these extra parts. <laughs> that would have been pretty cool. This is like two pack them. So yeah, staying on Mega Man okay so capcom who refuses to actually use the character that built their company decides they're still going to make a ton of merchandise for him 
Mm-hmm. So they decided the one thing everyone wants is a big Mega Man helmet. And not not like all these little miniatures and statuettes they have done, like wearable. They're not wrong. I've mm-hmm. wanted one forever. So they started taking pre-orders back in July. I put one down immediately because apparently I oh God, I, San Diego Comic-Con or some some uh, or like I think it was PAX actually where the representative when they were first showing it off said, yeah, you got to pre-order it because we're only filling pre-orders. It's going to be super limited. So you got to get in on it. Okay, so I guess I'm pre-ordering from Capcom store because I've been told that's the only way to get it. Mm-hmm. And it's due to come out in winter in time for the holidays. Okay, that's a ways off. I can save up and wait for that. Uh, about a week till Christmas, I send I shoot off an email because I have heard nothing about this and got the response of, um, yeah, um, we're not going to have it ready for the holidays. Okay, you could have notified me about that before the holidays actually got here but all right so new date uh yeah like late january like they specified the day and i think it was like i want to say like 22nd somewhere in there yeah so january 22nd comes i wake up i've got an email in my inbox going uh it's back ordered (sighs) so you've had half a year and a month of that being overtime, and you still can't deliver. All meanwhile, right. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, this thing that you could only get through Capcom store through pre-order only is now everywhere. Yes, police officers in the background. I am upset over this too. I was like, what did that was really well timed. <laughs> <laughs> I find this criminal as well. Uh yeah, it start it's it started showing up at GameStop, like I probably could, I probably could have just went to a GameStop and picked one up, just like right off the shelf. It showed up at Think Geek, where actually Think Geek had it cheaper. Big Bad took pre-orders. Hobby Link Japan was taking pre-orders. Excellent. Super exclusive. Have to pre-order. Okay, you know what? You've screwed with me this much. Uh, I find this is super shady and I no longer want you to have my money. So just cancel my order. Just, I'm done with this. So I send in the cancellation email. Mm, Five days later, they send me a shipping notice. Excellent. That's exactly how to respond to a cancellation email. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I'm thinking, okay, well, five, five business days, you had time. Listen, they really believe in their product, okay? They were like, no, we're sure you're going to love it. Let us be the one to handle this. We could refund you. Instead, we're going to sell you the product. Enjoy. So did it, like, actually arrive? Yeah, it it showed up. Okay. Like, in in five business days? (laughs) Shows up three weeks later. Yeah. Covered in blood. Uh, so I, I already, I already know some of the ending of this. Like, yeah, you got, you got, you got your hat. You got your Mega yeah, Man hat. Got my big, yeah, I got my big dumb plastic helmet. All right. What does uh, it it's do? a big dumb plastic helmet. All right. All right. So, a hundred and seventy is a lot. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot to ask for a big dumb plastic helmet. And I'll, I will admit, it might be my starvation for more Mega Man that convinced me to actually save up for it in the first place. Uh. 
It does not do a lot. It does have a light up gimmick in the ears. Yeah, I saw there's like a battery compartment built into the, the Mohawk. Yeah. To be fair, it's designed really, really well. Yeah. Like it hinges open like a like common rider slash Sentai helmet. It claps on the inside so you don't see any exposed like clasps to hold the helmet shut. You know, and like the the Mohawk is hinged so it can come off and the helmet opens up without breaking up the Mohawk's look. Mm-hmm. So, like, they really thought all of that out. And it's multi-layered padding on the inside that's all Velcro attached. So you can adjust it. You can move them around. You can take it out completely to fit whatever your head shape may be. That's, that is really cool. Like, I'm, I'm like when I when I heard that they took a real, like, solid, like, cosplay prop replica approach to it, I was like, all right, respectable. Yeah. So the fact that it's, like, completely padded on the inside and all this and it's got the electronics and it's, like, made the way one of these should be made instead of like your like Hasbro mass produced bunch of plastic straps holding this thing to your skull system. Yeah. I can see this as being more to the prop replica end of the cost spectrum. 170 is still a freaking lot. Yeah. And I mean, obviously there's a, a real unpleasant taste when it's like, I also tried to cancel this and five days later, they just sent it to yeah, me. Yeah. And kept yeah. Mind. Yeah. It's been <laughs> six months keeping me in the dark or jerking me around or being super shady about their sales practices. Yeah. Of course, it's Capcom. Am I shocked? No. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to me, yeah, it sucks that it's like a $170 wash with the upside of, well, the product doesn't suck. Yeah. But yeah, that situation, like, that's going to color it for a long time. You know what really hurts it? Like, and it really shouldn't, but it does. Think Geek made a Mega Buster not too mm-hmm. long ago. And I believe right now on Think Geek, you can buy them both at the same time. Why would you? It would cost $60 to ship the giant things together. But you can, theoretically. And when they arrive, you'll find out they don't match. Oh, right. Because apparently when you're making Mega Man merchandise, there's no one really checking to see what shades of blue you're using or if one toy was metallic and the other one wasn't. So you got to take one of these big, dumb, expensive toys and repaint it to match the other one if you actually want it to work. And the sad thing is because it's not like, okay, like the helm is like super metallic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other one is just flat flat gloss blue that means the helmet is way easier to get matching the buster than the other way around and that sucks like Like for anyone looking like this as a short as a shortcut for cosplaying mega man have fun with that yeah i was gonna say you got a feel for the people who thought that hey we've solved you know two of the hardest parts of a cosplay setup for this because it's like helmet buster boots then just put on a unitard and Pretty much. Well, you what you do is you just pick a different, like you're not default. You have somebody else's weapon active. That way you can <laughs> yeah. Yeah, paint like, it all I am match. Mega Man, but uh, this is like the air shooter armed Mega Buster. So a slightly different shade of blue. I'm in the middle of changing weapons. Or just go whole hog and like, no, I'm not going to match the blues. I'm just going to paint them to be when I'm throwing Metal Man's buzz saws because that's the best Mega Man weapon. Yeah. So we'll just <laughs> run with that. 
and then just throw actual buzz saws around. And well, then... why even like have the buster if that's what you're going to do? It's like you wear two gloves and you carry buzz saws around in, in the no, convention listen, hall. Listen, you buy the buster and you hollow all the electronics out of it, cut the front out so your hand can go straight through it. So it's just a gauntlet. Buy two of those to make two gauntlets. And Wait, why not just go whole hog at that point and just put like an actual buzz saw in the front? Well, obviously, that's what you would do to top it off. I mean, you're already buying a helmet and two busters and then nullifying the busters and just using the shells. So, you know, yeah, attach a buzzsaw to the end and then just, like, run around the convention and ruin cosplay for everybody. End of story, I guess. <laughs> that sucks. I really yeah. hate it when uh, a decent product is colored by a poor experience. It happened to me with the Sideshow Cobra Viper. Um, and it wasn't even Sideshow's fault that time so much as UPS's fault. But I could just never really enjoy that figure. So I was just like, yeah, this is the thing that I went through. Dumb hours of time and several dollars of stupid customs fees. And it was just, it sucked a whole lot. Yeah. But it's behind you. Now you can just wait for the Mighty Number no. 9 helmet to come out, and I'm sure oh, everything sure. will go fine. It'll come no, out no, they'll, they'll, no, now they start in on Mega Man X, and then they can sell like the whole like armor, like it's football gear. Oh yeah, the yeah the, the white armor. The oh, so yeah. just start pieces. with the basic. No, you start with the basic blue, and oh, then right. the white armor's attachment sold separately. And it, it ships in an actual Doctor Light capsule, so that's an extra you know two thousand bucks on each piece. Poor Mega yeah. Man fans. Yeah, it's Cap. It's Capcom. So even the even the merchandise has DLC. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm happy that we finally have that story. After what, like three recordings? Yeah, yeah, like, well, yeah just remember around. the stupid things here. Yeah, but uh, we've uh, we've hit the end of our time uh, for tonight. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed our more relaxed take on podcasting this week. Um, if there's not that much news in the next little while, we might just continue on this path until whenever the Botcon news drops or Titans Return comes out. Whatever happens first, but uh, we're gonna play it by ear. Uh, we'll just see what happens. Uh, they'll still happen week to week. That happens. But Aaron, TJ, thank you for joining me on this Sunday, uh, February the 29th, 29th, 28th. In two hours, February the 29th. What a weird, what a weird year. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with some more stuff. Bye-bye. It means, but you got some badass perpetrators now here to stay.